How you doing? How you doing? This is Robert Russler from Weird Science, and you're listening to The Skeleton Crew. I want to congratulate you on your five-year anniversary. Uh, you know, there's hundreds, maybe even over a thousand horror podcasts, and very few make this milestone. And even fewer uh, remain as entertaining as y'all been throughout the years. Thank you again. I, my life has changed <laughs> tremendously. My life has changed forever. And I thank you guys. Happy five years. And I can't wait to hear what we're going to do for the rest of the year. Five years of the Skeleton Crew. This is the last year. Well, so you see. We're waiting to see. But if this is the last year, then five of the fucking best years of horror podcasting that's ever happened. And the legacy will continue. And people that are just getting into the show now, you have a rich back catalogue of stuff that you can listen to. So, yeah, that's all I wanted to say. Thank you for entertaining us, but more importantly, thank you for inspiring us. Um, whether it's inspiring people to make a podcast or to get better at podcasting. Either way, y'all have done both. I uh, love you, Jamie, for your insight, your friendship throughout the years. Thank you for everything. Thank you all for your help in, in, in a personal level and, uh, and as inspirations because I'm so lucky. What if the first podcast I listened to? What if I knew somebody and they were doing a horror podcast and I put it in and it was, um, let's say it wasn't Alex that I knew. Let's say it was some other dude, you know, and he did a horror podcast and I put it on. He was just one of those shitty ass horror podcasts. I might have listened once and said, yeah, this shit sucks. I know more than these guys. I freaking, they're really not very entertaining. That didn't happen. (laughs) That didn't. The BL came about because I had the bug to do this shit. I wanted to do my own show and, you know, try to do something even close to what the skeleton crew was doing. I'm telling you that the magic that's at work in this show has to do with those two factors, you know, the hosts in that great production, you know. So speaking to the host, you know, Alex, you have this, uh, <laughs> this, this cocky charisma to you that makes every listener feel like they just want to get to know you and be your best friend like that's the reason why i could sit there and watch an hour-long facebook live video that you put out and swear to god that only five minutes passed you know your skill as a host is it stands out heads above the pack which is why i'm so down with every podcast episode where your name is involved and i i mean that dan i am so glad you came back to the show I'm not going to take anything away from Dave Z. He's awesome. But this is the classic lineup. There is a chemistry between you three that is just amazing and highly enjoyable. And then there's Jamie. What can I say about Jamie? I liked her so much I married her. Oh my God, the skeleton crew. Five fucking years. That's crazy. I mean, from the humble beginnings of this show to the lineup changes, to the controversial shows, to everything in between, it's been nothing but entertainment and um, consistency. It has been 
nothing but a consistent show. You know the Skeleton Crew will be there. After hearing you guys, uh, Audio Theory Radio and Speaker Brains probably wouldn't exist. I was like, you know, I need to do my own little podcast. I'm glad to be a part of HorrorFigure.com with all you guys. And I also want to personally thank you for uh, being on the Horror Affiliate Network. Uh, I know I owe a, a, a large portion of this to your success, you know, not just number-wise, but just inspiring other podcasts, uh, you know, uh, having other listeners out there give other podcasts on the network a chance. And there's a good chance if y'all weren't on the network and wasn't as successful as you were, that I probably would have been frustrated and give up by now. So <laughs> I want to thank you for all you've done over the years for the network itself. Life's like a movie. Write your own ending. Keep believing. Keep pretending. We done. We done just what we set out to do. And I think that sums up the crew to to a T. You guys have done just what you set to do. Put out great content for us all to enjoy and listen to. It's one of the rare shows where lineup changes. I never really heard. Um, everyone has their personal favorite lineup, but I think over the years, it was able to maintain its consistency and strength. It never really faltered, in my opinion. There's a reason it was the the big boy on the block on Horophilia Network. So, uh, Definitely my favorite episodes of the Scouting Crew still are the Psycho Retrospective. Those were the first episodes I checked out, and I don't know what I saw about them. Just maybe it's Alex's passion. I don't know, but uh, I feel the same way. I love the Psycho series and uh... Skeleton Crew. I like all y'all shit. Every single one of them. You know, the good times, the bad times. You know, even though I was one of the people that voted on the uh, 2014 was one of your best years, and yes, it was, Jack. One of your best years, man. I don't want to put that vote in. 2014, one of your best years. Uh, I was super stoked to hear that Dan was coming back. Uh, he's, uh, you know, highly entertaining. And you, I know that he's a good guy by heart. So I'm, I'm thankful that he was uh, able to come back to this crew to end it off. You guys easily put the Tier 1 podcast to shame. This last season in particular is probably going to go down as your best so I want to thank all of you guys, everyone, past and present, who's been in the crew. You've all earned my respect, and I look forward to anything you guys do in the future. Where you guys cemented your legacy already as the greatest horror podcast of all time. Congratulations on five years, and uh, thanks for all the amazing work you guys do. I get a lot of enjoyment out of listening to all the podcasts, you know, the Banana Laser, Skeleton Crew, Exploding Heads, all of them. You know, Alex, Dan, and Jamie put so much work into the show. Uh, it really shows. It really shows when, when you got true fans doing something like this. So, Happy five-year anniversary, Skeleton Crew. Can't believe it's been five years already. Time goes by so quickly. Well, I have to say, this show has been kick-fucking-ass. It's just, it's been perfect. And uh, you too, Alex. Uh, you've been one of the greatest lead hosts that I've ever known on a, a horror podcast or podcast in general. Uh, you know, you're just a natural leader when it comes to that. And you just know uh, what's entertaining. It's about being entertaining. And you can tell that you've uh, studied your craft throughout the years. 
And, of course, uh, <laughs> as a lot of listeners don't give you props on, you know, you're a fantastic editor and producer of podcasts, which, you know, I've been in your position for many years, so I know all the hard work that you've done, all the personal sacrifices you've done, so I want to uh, thank you uh, for doing that. But if you do leave, go knowing that you guys are stronger than ever, and you will be missed. And Dan, my, my friend, uh, you have this passion and excitement that pours off you, homie. And, you know, it makes me wish we lived next door to one another so we could just pal around constantly, so I can just watch you be just so... That's so amazing 24-7 because I know that's how you are, homie. But, you know, you're, you're sincere and pleasant. And I'm telling you, man, the way you draw people in with that, it goes a long way. And trust me, that's not lost on me. You know, that's why I love you, man. There's uh, a raw passion that I get when listening to these episodes. I literally get a boner and then masturbate to completion just the best it's it made a difference in my life that's for sure you can definitely say that a positive thing in my life every time you had a show uh was like a show on earth i think it's 117 where um dan comes back you know for the first time not when it's like official but when he comes back and you guys talk you're kind of in the fence that kind of hits home and i think that's really cool and all that so Good stuff, man. I'm going to miss you guys come October. Um, thank you for all the good laughs, all the good shows, all the good insight. Alex, you have inspired me to be a better host. I, I, I have gotten better as a host on a podcast because of you. I just want to say that I've been with you guys since the very beginning. You guys have your ups and your downs, but you guys always pull it through. And I feel you guys are stronger than ever. I really do believe that. Jamie, Alex, Dan, even Dave Z, you know, because he wasn't on there but a brief time, but awesome. Love you guys. Uh, Y'all are mentors to us, and uh, we appreciate everything you do, and uh, I spend a lot of time binge listening to your episodes. (laughs) So, uh, love you guys, and I hope uh, y'all have a grand finale. Dan's on the crew, you know, (laughs) but uh, Dan's been great, you know, and and I love Dan, and I wanted to tell you that, Dan, you know, you've been You've been real above all, and I know you yourself have been through a lot, and and it's been really rough for myself too, and and so lots of times it is just hard to find the time um, to listen. But but when I do, you know, of course I always find myself rewinding, fast forwarding, going back to that same exact spot, you know, not missing a beat, not missing a second, because um, it is that kind of experience for myself and it's it's fun above all jamie you have made me want to make sure i present myself in an intelligent way and dig deep in these movies and find all the subtext that is there i'm gonna miss you guys when you're not doing the the crew i've listened to the skeleton crew beginning to end three times you guys have all made that one of the the best i'm gonna go on record the best podcast out there you guys are just yeah you guys are such a cohesive unit it'll be sad to see you guys go you guys strive for quality all of you and that's really truly 100 percent what separates you guys from other podcasts because there's lots of podcasts where people think like wow 
this is an excuse for me to hang out with people and feel each other's testicles about movies we like. But it's really not. It's, it's supposed to be an entertaining thing, and you guys always strive for that and succeed. And Dave, you inspire a drive in me. Your social networking game is ridiculous, and your drive to constantly uh, do more is is just amazing. Jamie, you know you've got quite the mind on you, Mrs. Sammons. That's that's what's up. You know, I it, it's such a treat when you drop knowledge on us in that way that only you can do. And listen, we've talked. And you know that I love the deep analysis approach to horror films. You know, that's what my show's built on. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you're hands down one of the best at that approach. And that's why it's just mutual respect for days from, from me. You know, I just uh, really appreciate your contribution to the horror genre through this show. Uh, and so you're a great host as well. And Dan, you inspire me to just sometimes relax and enjoy the movie and be happy. Five years, man, five year anniversary. Today is the fifth year anniversary. If it wasn't for me uh, being curious that one fateful night, I wouldn't be uh, doing this video. I wouldn't be talking to you motherfuckers right now. I probably, I probably wouldn't be even be on Facebook right now. <laughs> we, as podcasters, look to the skeleton crew to be the gold standard of how to do a podcast and i will continue to keep going until people say kill the cast is as good as entertaining and as worthwhile as the skeleton crew welcome boneheads it is here once again, the iconic classic, The Skeleton Crew Horror Podcast. The podcast that will tickle your funny bone and have you screaming for more. Exclusively at Horrorphilia.com with your trio of numbskulls, Jamie Sammons. I, 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 I like it. Dan Chase. I love fucking you guys, dude. Yo, and Alex Edwards. Yeah, asshole. Woo! You are now entering the bone zone. What's up, guys? Welcome to the fifth anniversary celebration of the skeleton crew guys thank you so much for all the videos that you guys submitted we love you we appreciate it you guys are the best this is our fifth anniversary show i'm alex i am with dan and jamie we are rocking and rolling this episode we're we have back I'm, I'm back from uh, glasgow actually i had to go over there to uh <laughs> drag duncan out of the bar uh, yeah, right? This guy is going crazy with these drunken walk-home-from-the-bar videos. Drunken Duncan. Hey, listen, at least we know Duncan's a safe, smart guy. He walks to these pubs. <laughs> Dude, I just want I love Duncan, man. He's the man. I want to drink so badly with Duncan. Can you imagine if he made videos of him driving home from the bar? 
Like, that would be like, whoa, this guy's an asshole. But thank God he knows better. So there's uh, big, big, big news on the way. There is a movie called It. Stephen King's It. Oh, my God. There's a trailer that's out there. I have not seen it because I do not watch trailers. I stopped You still w- haven't watched it. Oh, my God. I'm the God. only one. Did you hear how it broke records? Oh, dude. Oh, my God. Yeah, and it doesn't surprise me. Oh, my God, dude. I, I feel like you- it won't spoil anything, dude. But here's the thing about this trailer, dude. It's so fucking good. Like, it's like literally you know my feelings about the original. I think it's fucking cheaply made. I, I think there's gold in it. But, like, um, but – it's one of those things where, oh my God, they gave this the golden treatment, it looks like. And holy shit, um, this literally scared the fuck out of me. I haven't been sketched out by a trailer. I don't think, like, ever as much as this one fucking freaked me out. Dude, if this is an indication of what the movie's going to be, I think people are fucking in for a ride and a half, dude. Wow. Did you guys check out the side by side I posted on yep. the yep. Skeleton Crew page? Did. Yeah. Did. That was pretty oh, badass, I think. It's, um, it was oh. basically a comparison of original to the new one, and yeah. uh, it was pretty cool. Yeah, I think it looks good. I, as much as I like the book, I was never a big fan of the miniseries. Now, when it originally came on, I liked it, but I was young. I didn't know any better. Yeah. I, I've watched oh. it since, and it just is not that good. I mean, like, it just doesn't hold up that well. I still like it on... Uh, certain aspects of it. I still enjoy it, but I think that it just doesn't hold up all that well. And the ending was, you know, just uh, whatever. I mean, yeah, everybody's. Oh God. Yeah. Even Alex has a problem with that. And you, you love it. So I'm really curious to see what they do with the ending of this film. And uh, I think it looks, I think it looks pretty good so far. You know, Jamie, can I, can I say something though? We won't see the ending um, that was in the original one because this well, is Well, I know. That's what I'm, oh, I, oh. That's what I'm saying is I'm hoping oh, I'm that I'm, I'm curious to see what they do with the ending here and if they actually I see. pay it. more, you know, or do more justice to the book because mm-hmm. the original one just didn't. So, well, Tommy Lee Wallace commented on that. He said he couldn't have shot that even if he had all the time and money possible he he says something about the way the book is written it's it would take computer technology that wasn't around in the 90s or something like that yeah that that makes sense man and and i i've already heard many comparisons because i've never uh read the book i've never read period and um (laughs) i heard that even very a couple (laughs) a couple scenes in this movie are uh are closer to the book even more so i saw a thing about how the kid even whacks his head um while he's chasing the the little thing down the street there how he whacks his head on the uh oh what the fuck do they call him uh uh the um the horse? The yes, yes. The... Yep, yep. Um, when he does that, I heard that was in the book and that wasn't in the movie. So stuff like that. So like I said, if that's any indication of what the movie's going to be. And like I said, dude, holy fucking shit. This looks scary. Like legit, like terrifying. And, you know, you get that whole clown thing. A lot of people fear clowns. Or I'm somewhere in between. Yeah, they're creepy. But it was never like, oh, my God, this is a game changer for me. But wow, dude, this trailer really fucking creeped me out. A friend of mine on Facebook posted right after the trailer was released, and this just cracked me up. Every time I think about it, I still laugh. But she said, I never could get through the original one 
And now after watching this trailer, I won't be able to sleep for a week. Huh. Fuck a clown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That, now, that Alex, are you going to continue this streak? Are you really clown. not going to watch it after what me and Jamie just said? I don't need to watch because I already know what it's about. So why would I need to see any millisecond of it? Like there's no – I commend you, dude. I, I am so weak <laughs> when it comes to that. You are you are a better man than I, sir. I <laughs> I was sitting there with my dick out ready to go, like, bring it on. Yeah, they just have historically given away too much. I never watched the trailer for the Ninja Turtle movies either because I, I already know what that is, and I know I'm going to go watch. So Good for you. I don't I watch can... anything. So, uh, yeah, guys, go uh, make sure you go see the movie It, and I, I definitely th- re- recommend you buy – the 1990 movie on Blu-ray. It was re- recently, I think this year, put on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Do that. It's in a full frame, just so you know. So it's it's uh, much like one of the movies we're reviewing today. It's mm-hmm. so it's like cut off on the sides because that's how it was filmed. It was filmed for TV, so it's the 133 aspect ratio. Okay. So, uh, but it still looks cool. And also, uh, on the DVD you bought years ago from Warner Brother, they actually wanted to fit your TV, so they zoomed in on the movie so that it fills out those sides. And what they ended up doing is cutting off the top and bottom of what was actually filmed. So now, when you buy that new Blu-ray of it, you get to see everything that was c- captured uh, originally by Tommy Lee Wallace. You get to actually see what he wanted to have in the movie so basically it was always there but they just couldn't um do it back then but they can now they can expand it right is that what you're saying they uh no oh oh why they do that no they they just wanted to make it widescreen right right to to fit everything else so in order to do that on a box you have to zoom in so you only see the wideness and then but what that what that does is it cuts the top and the bottom off so, but when they zoom in, it doesn't mess with the picture at all? He's saying they zoomed in in the previous cut, but now on this release, they zoomed back out. Oh. So that it, it has the black bars on the sides, but you were getting the full picture. Got you. Right. Got you. I got you. Okay, cool. Oh, sorry. I didn't know you meant no, I thought the other thing. Yep. Okay. Yep. Uh, and speaking of Blu-rays, tonight is uh, April Fool's Day. <laughs> so... Uh, it's April 1st when we're recording this and I wanted to get in the mood. So I watched Slaughter High. Nice. Oh my God. Does that movie need a Blu-ray so bad, dude? Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like I know that's not a very popular movie and it's probably most people don't remember. It's forgettable to them, this and that, but you know what? That is actually a really good movie. I mean, it has, I've never seen it. Oh, God, you could take snippets out here and there, but it is a really good movie for a slasher of the 80s. You know how I went through that phase where I watched a whole bunch of uh, slashers from the 80s because this whole new trend that's going around where they're, it's been going around for like six years now or whatever, but they're putting them all on Blu-ray, all these like forgettable, low budget, not ever main, majorly popular slashers from the 80s. Yep. Uh so I watched so many of them because of that and every time it left me feeling like eh, I guess I don't really like slashers that much from the 80s that didn't become big. So there's a reason why the, the Yeah, there's a reason why like nobody ever really, you know, but 
And then even now that they're on Blu-ray, nobody, it ain't like everyone's talking Slaughterhouse and Madman and uh, Final Exam. What about, what's that one with Brad Pitt in it? What's that one? I forget. What's it? Remember? One with Brad Pitt? Yeah, isn't there one with Brad Pitt in it? Maybe. You know, you can go on and on naming a bunch of slashers from the 80s, but this one, it's interesting because the music to this movie was done by Harry Manfredini. Oh, no shit, huh? Yeah, it has those cues, and it makes it... It almost gives it, like, a legitimacy, in a way. Yep. The the killer... The mask on the killer's cool. The kills are crazy, dude. They're really good. It's really weird how this movie's sort of overlooked, but it needs a Blu-ray so bad. I just wanted to mention that. That but that movie's called uh, Cutting Class. I don't know if it's a slasher, though. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Cutting Class with Brad Pitt. Jamie, do you know what I'm talking about? Is that a slasher? I could be so wrong. Yeah, it says an 80s horror comedy, so I was... Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, on the last show, uh, one thing that was mentioned, uh, I talked about the movie The Barn. Jerry kind of reminded me that I, I didn't talk... I did mention how those guys from the indie tables, they kind of treated these movies like they were, you know, Exorcist and, you know, Psycho or whatever. Yeah. Like, whatever I said. And they're, like, not really all that good. And they they built this hype as if they just made the, the next, you know, Halloween or Devil's whatever. Candy. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, they think they made Devil's Candy. <laughs> and it's amazing that Devil's Candy is not at these places. But, uh, you know, uh, the barn is. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So go figure. This barn, at this table at Monster Mania, where they were, you know, pushing this movie. Dude, they took this so far. At that table, they had, and to put it in perspective, in case you didn't hear the last show, this is just an indie movie that was, like, crowdfunded, and it looked like, like I said, I shot it if you gave me a lot of money and got all, and I had all my friends willing to be here for 30 days or he whatever. He threw a trash can. That's how he got the kill. He threw a trash barrel at him. Yeah. So... so <laughs> There's three killers. They're like these mythical Halloween. You know, they definitely pander to what everybody wants, horror fans. They make it on Halloween night. The three killers, one has a pumpkin's head, one has like a scarecrow's head, and one has something else's head. You know, whatever. This table where they were pushing this movie, they had a video game of this movie, dude. What? You, it looked like a Nintendo game with this wire sticking out that you plug in and you play it on your computer or something. I don't even know where you play it. Okay. A video game of this fucking movie. <laughs> they had shirts of it, which I guess is no big deal, but they play it all up. Like, it has the three killers on the shirt, and they had toys of the killers, dude. They had toys of those three killers that you could tell they probably just took some, you know, like those old Kenner Star Wars toys. Right. It looks like they took those and threw like the these tiny clothes of the killers on them and like their heads. It sounds like they should have taken all the money they put in merchandising and probably put it back into the movie, right? Yes. That's a, <laughs> I can't believe you just said that. That's probably exactly right. <laughs> they had the soundtrack on vinyl. Right. They have multiple versions of it, actually, on vinyl. And I mentioned three times that I got the soundtrack on the last show. And I gotta say, it's not what I sort of thought it was when I watched the movie. I guess maybe it just played better in the movie or something. Because I was it was the only hot, like good thing about it. 
Gotcha. Yeah, you really did like that, though. You mentioned you, you, that was a good aspect of it. Yeah, but then when you hear it just by itself, <laughs> it's it's not really that good. And real quick, as, okay, you know what? I'll tease it up because I don't have it prepared. On the next show, I'm going to do a side-by-side comparison. These guys totally ripped off Alan Howarth. Oh, wow. His Halloween 2 music. There is something that they steal I virtually note for note. So I'm going to get that going and put it together and then we'll play it on the next show. And they were at the same convention, right? I wonder if uh, good old Alan knew about that. Nah, he doesn't <laughs> even know they exist. So yeah, like this, it's unbelievable how much they hyped this whole thing. It is funny as hell. And you can go look, look up the barn horror movie and then go to their website. And all these items are on their website. It's really funny. Mm-hmm. are reviewing the witch the reason we're reviewing it on this show is because it was directly compared to the last movie we reviewed the black coat's daughter jamie said uh you know dan said they're sort of the same type of uh tone and uh art style and this and that and then jamie said well this is done by someone who's doing it perfectly right yeah when oz perkins did it she said he did it in a way where he studied other people and then said, well, this is how you convey this, this is how you convey that, and it didn't come off. She said it came off as more like disingenuous, and this came off as a really talented guy. So, I mean, we don't have to make this a complete comparison to to Black Coast Daughter, and definitely we shouldn't. This movie should get its own time. But we could do that at the end. So, basically, this movie is about a family who the dad had really strong religious convictions, And they were different from, I guess, the village or whatever he lived in. They sort of banished the family and they had to live on the outskirts next to the woods where no nobody really wants to be and the food doesn't grow well. Like he pulled like the corn was all rotten and stuff like it just wasn't a good place to be. And what made it even worse is that not far from where they set up shop is where a coven of witches live. You know, you go anywhere near a witch. I mean, I guess they, I guess they didn't go into the village too often or something. Like, I don't know how far <laughs> this place was, but but when you go that close to them, they're going to feed off of you. And and that's that's the amazing thing. And do you guys notice that like um, the whole theme of evil is that evil consumes. Like, it doesn't really have any function but to consume. Yep. And in, in almost every fashion, right? I mean, it doesn't really do anything of any value, or it's not productive in any way. It just seems to consume. And that just goes back to the religious stuff back then, like, and how, how serious it was taken. And that's, first and foremost, I think, you know, it, it's funny, man. I go through these movies, and, and I kind of... That's how I uh, I learn history in a sense by like different things that happen throughout history with like horror related stuff and you kind of relate it to the times and I think all that stuff just speaks to like and that's why I think it's very accurate with this movie I mean how the fuck do I know but it seems like it's it's very spot on with with that type of thing you know well well it is it actually well it is yeah 
it this takes place in 1630. Jamie, would you say it's like the way these people talk is really like authentic, I guess? Well, it absolutely is. And part of that is because a good portion of the dialogue was taken directly from transcripts of mm. of the time. And oh, wow. I mean, when Eggers made this film, uh, which he refers to as a New England folktale, and I love, and when he made this, and this should should hit home for you, Dan. You're a New Englander, really? Um, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Just in case that no nobody hasn't picked that up in the hundred some odd post. <laughs> yeah, Dan, mention where you live next to him. Uh, so yeah, the the dialogue is appropriate because it's a a good portion of it. Like I said, is ripped straight from transcripts and diaries, journals, um, and these are actual things that that people said. And not only that, but the settings too. Everything was created to fit with the time. All the buildings were built the way they would have been built. All the clothing was made they would the way that they would have been made. And let me tell you, this is I think this is really interesting. When I was watching this in the theater the first time, I was – and I had no idea that he did any of this. When I went in, I went in kind of cold. I didn't know that much about the film. Would your furnace go out? <laughs> no, that wasn't until today. Um, <laughs> Sorry. I, um, if I were watching it today, it would be really cold. I went, <laughs> I went in and I didn't know any of this, but I was, but I just, I pay attention to detail when I'm watching a film. That's what I just, I get kind of sucked in. So I was, I found myself looking at the hems on the clothing and looking at the way the buildings were built. And I was like, wow, this is a lot of detail. And those, you know, this piece of clothing looks handmade and this, and I was just, I don't know, it was because I'm nerdy like that. Well, then yeah. I found out after I watched the movie that, yeah, I mean, it was all really authentic and that kind of blew me away. And not only that, he only used natural light when he was making this film. There is absolutely no artificial light. Well, he said mostly natural. I think there was a couple times. There, there may be a couple things that you, that he had to, there, like, you know, like yeah. in the, in the, like in the witch, you know, at the beginning. Right. Things like right. that that he absolutely had to, otherwise you wouldn't be able to see anything. Right. But, right. you know, all the shots outside when it looks dismal and gray, it's because it was dismal and gray. And I think that that right. perfectly set the tone for this film because that's the that's really what it looked like. Well, if you want to get into the shooting of it, I mean, we should mention that this was only a $1 million budget. It was shot in 25 days. And I don't know if you guys noticed – but the aspect ratio that this was shot in was 133, which is what no one uses anymore. You know, that's like the opposite. That's like full frame. So right. uh, the reason he did that is because <clears throat> he felt that that also captured the the whole, like, you know, authenticness of it. Because, you know, nothing's in widescreen now. You could show, like, the taller trees and still have the whole family in the shot. And it kind of gives, like, this eeriness right. to it and this like they put like a like way too much thought into this not in a bad way i'm just no right. the way i talk but uh you know like in into this thing like everything was well thought of the freaking uh like he like jamie said the guy like took all this from real stories and even the language that the witches were speaking was uh like it's called enotian e- or something like that like t- I- i'm gonna look stupid here or something i'm sure i'm gonna look stupid 
but I'm willing to say this because I, I swear somebody in the world agrees with me. I don't know how Jamie watched this in the theater. If I did, I would have been taken out of it completely and not been into it and just been like, okay, whatever. I'm just going to watch what happens because I could not understand half of what they were saying. Subtitles? Those... Is that what you're talking about? I put, sub... I put subtitles on within five minutes. Uh... I, said, I, I said, I can't do this. I put it on right away. That was a complaint that I heard quite a few times when the film first came out was that people were saying, you know, I didn't, I couldn't, you know, they couldn't follow it very well because of the language. To me, it's just English. I mean, it's, you know, they say things in a, in, you know, a different order. Maybe they use some words that we don't use today, but I didn't have, I I didn't have any difficulty at all. Really? Following along. No, but I mean, huh? I don't know. I, I also don't have any difficulty reading Shakespeare, or and it's because maybe it's because, because I've done you're it. Smart. Well, no, I don't think that's it. Yeah. I don't. I, th- I think it's that. I think it's that. It's something I have been interested in right. for a long time, and so I have. You're more tuned into it. I've devoted that time to it, as far as like. Right. Uh, I don't know. I mean, to me, it was no issue. That makes sense, though. I mean, to me, they were just speaking English. Like, I didn't think there was anything difficult about it. But I can see where, I can see where some people would if it's not something that they're interested in anyway. <laughs> you know, and I don't think that means anybody is smarter or dumber you than anybody dummies. else. It's it's that I don't think that is the case. I think it's just what you are, are or not interested in and so you you know i don't know does that make any sense no you ain't got no you like school in the summertime you ain't got no class that's what it is (laughs) that we're not but no but even with this uh subtitles alex like i found that um it was less the the dialogue the dialogue and more like the dialect does that make any sense because even with subtitles like jamie said a lot of the words are different that i had to find i found myself trying to decipher what those words even meant even if they were on screen you know what i mean i was okay once i read it i gotta say that like you know there was one part where there and then it, once i did it they started okay here's what i always do though whenever i do that kind of thing for whatever reason i can't understand or whatever um, I don't do it often. I've probably done it three times in my life. But when I do, I try to eventually stop looking and then just start looking at what's right. happening and listening to them. And then I'm like, damn, I got to look down again. You know, like th- there are times when they're yelling at each other and it's just like, like I don't, it's too much of whatever <laughs> they're doing. But that's fine. I'm sure it was insanely authentic. It must have taken them so long to get those accents down and make it authentic. So it is what it is. And I'm sure that um, I really won't even need to look at him again because I kind of – it's such a straightforward, simple story that yeah. you couldn't possibly get lost in this again when you go back to it. Well, I I will say this. When I saw it in the theater, the volume was really low. So the first time I watched it – it wasn't so much that I couldn't understand the words or that I couldn't understand their accent as much as it was I couldn't <laughs> hear it very well. <laughs> so – and I even – and it was just – it was very low in the theater. Really? And being in a the theater, you can't control it. Like you can't you know, turn it up or anything. Pop up the volume. Pop up the volume. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to go back real quick too, guys, about what you said about the budget and stuff like that. And then, Jamie, what you said about like the clothes and every and the authenticity of it. And what was it? You said a million dollar budget, Alex? Yeah, that's what I heard. 
okay, so the thing is, and and they, they did this kind of brilliantly where um, other than that opening scene, oh, and by the way, I do like how they kept that too, the opening scene when they get banished. I mean, it's not some long drawn out thing. Like, no, that's where the movie starts. But it's very contained. Like, it's only so many characters that need wardrobe. Do you know what I mean? It's not creating this big yeah, village. Right. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. if you think about it, it's very smart. Smartly done. It's that a word? I don't know. Uh, intelligently done. You would say exactly. Smartly done. That that just sums up my whole life right there. With this guy too, with the director. I'll be honest with you. I I saw a couple interviews with him right out the gate, and I thought I, I got a vibe where I was like, ah, I think this guy takes himself a little too seriously. But at the same time, he was doing like junkets where they were asking very softball questions, and I think he wanted to get across what basically the stuff that we're talking about now. Like this is isn't like hocus pocus like this is like you know and i feel like he had to go above and beyond to kind of explain that thing and the the authenticity was clearly like a big issue for him dude he spent four years researching this movie yeah yeah, yeah this exactly. was a clearly a passion project for him right i mean this was yep and, well, and really they really wanted to do to, like do you believe in witches and he was like i think he said something to the extent of like my beliefs have nothing to do with this movie and this like but like i said I, that was my first initial impression uh, i wanted to get like a sense of it and then i saw the movie and i was like oh i was like well it, it, he could be he could be however he wants because what he was talking about speaks to this movie and it and it does it in a good way like it helps the film obviously like you said he's doing your research knowing all the 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 dialogue the dialect rather all that shit so it's like yeah, man. Hey, do do whatever you got to do. <laughs> it, it, it worked. Whatever you do, it worked. Most of the people in this business are are pretentious asswipes. I mean, you do know that. Oh yeah. Right. Like, don't ever be surprised, and don't ever feel bad. I mean, like, there are people that we love that we would hate. You know, <laughs> I I'm sure he was. Bruce talking to you. Exactly. So uh, I'm sure he was uh, whatever you thought he was. So. <laughs> I just want to start off by, like, even maybe just discussing, like, a couple of the shots and stuff. Like, man, the the first shot I felt that really brought the conveyed feelings were when you just get a view of the town while they're riding away in the, in the carriage or whatever. That's it. Well, and the big part of that is the music, too, Alex. That The music is huge in this, and I think th- those things combine with that. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it's, you know, the the whole thing, it's like this witch accusation thing and it's funny because you know we've all heard about the witch accusations but to think that it not only goes from the town because you think like the council is crazy or something like that but it even happened within uh their own home and stuff like that so like that's crazy and you know because uh, of course thomasina uh oh yeah wait thomason jamie remember when um me and you did that skit and you were Thomasina Jarvis. <laughs> I thought about that the Thomas entire time. Yeah. Yeah, Thomas and I was like, you gotta be kidding me. We made that up. Like, there's no way her name is Thomason in this movie. Like, that is so funny. <laughs> this baby uh, that they're with when they go out there, the baby disappears uh, when she's playing peekaboo with it. And then a witch takes it, puts it in like a wooden barrel, like mashes it up kills it it decimates it and then takes all of the uh innards the innards remains? but like there's there's some kind of different word for innards Grew like. mulch <laughs> Mul- yeah she takes the mulch rubs it on her body <laughs> and it's a it's a flying potion and that was odd to me because 
if that made her fly, well, then how come Thomasina flew at the end just because she signed the book with Black Phillip? Like, I don't understand that. So, like, there are some, like, weird things like that going on. And I guess overall thoughts, like, real quick, before we can get into it, uh, yeah, I thought it was really authentic, really well done, um, all that kind of stuff. The lighting was beautiful. Everything was shot the way it should. It conveyed all the right stuff. But I'm going to say that one of the things that the movie does lack for me, I realized watching, I don't know, I didn't really care about the family all that much. Uh, and that's a very strange thing when you only have these people on screen. Like the only person that we're really seeing through the eyes of here is Thomas uh, Thomason. I mean, that's Thomasina. the only, to, I, I keep wait, going, going to say Thomasina, yeah. Uh, she's the only one that you really sort of connect with on this and then... And then you go and you go down tiers. Then it's the dad. Not as much compared to her. And the mom is just annoying, man. And like you could say, uh, of course, she's having a meltdown. Her 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 son or whatever was just taken away and just disappeared and is dead. So right. that's the only state of mind you're seeing her in. So she is going to not going to be the, <coughs> the best company right now. Yeah. And the twins were just annoying, man. Like, oh my Little god! Do they look yeah. like midgets to you? Yes. Oh my every god! Every time, yes. every time I watch this movie, I'm like, oh, those little midget twins, because that just, <laughs> just that's what they remind me of. Just oompa loompas. Like, uh, and then, yeah. Uh, yeah. This is like The Shining meets Willy Wonka. Especially because of the subject matter of what they were doing. They, they were always stirring up trouble and, and and causing all that. But I think it's accompanied with the fact, too, where I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I feel like, and yes, it speaks to the time, but anything overtly religious like that, you're just like, all right, because they changed their minds. So, you know, like, they, they were so... They stood by their convictions, you know, and, and and that's, you know, I guess that's not a bad thing, but they did it in kind of an extreme way because of, you know, what was happening. So you don't blame them. But I, you're right. I don't think this movie like lends itself to like, oh, likable, nice characters. Like, I feel like they were just in a shitty situation trying to get through what they were trying to get through. And this isn't like a one of those type of stories, per se. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I personally... I know I have a connection with this family. I care about this family. I love, I love the father. I, I mean, yeah, he, I yeah. he is a man who chops wood. Can, yeah. yeah. Well, he just yep. chopped the hell out of some wood. I told Brian, I was gonna <laughs> I'm going to late make a list of all the movies where men uh, chop wood excessively like this in Amityville. This is a man who his convictions are so incredibly strong that he is, brave enough to break out on his own he's going to take his family but he cares for his family i mean he loves his family you can you can right. i think you can feel the love and even though his wife is like a raging cunt through the majority <laughs> of this film i don't want to be she even i mean she says you know i i don't i've never intended to be a shrew toward you but my heart turned to stone you know, and so when Sam was taken, it just it turned her cold. And so I get the idea that she wasn't always like that, because this seems to be a very close knit family and that before all of this happened, they clearly cared about one another. And while she does annoy me throughout the majority of the picture, I mean, I I get so angry with her when she treats Thomas in the way she does. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. It just oh, like, oh, girl. Um, but yeah. I really do love the dad. I love him so much. And, um, Caleb is a good kid. 
Oh, yeah, when he's not looking down at his sister's shirt. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, come on, it's, <laughs> it's 1630. He doesn't have the internet yet. Um, and he doesn't have anybody else to look at. He doesn't even have any girls in the village. Like, who else is he going to look at? Right, the fucking right. the goat? Yeah. Like, he could have fucking said Black Phillip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you go find yourself a pig to fuck? <laughs> oh, shit, dude. Initially, that when Thomason is accused of being a witch by her siblings, the dad's like, you know, it, it, instead of saying, shut up, you're idiots, he's like, I'll have proof. Right. You know, like, yeah, you're, you're going right. to prove this to me. Well, then, yeah. you know, then he's like, oh, are you a witch girl? And then when <laughs> it turns around, she's like, no, it's them. It's them. They have a pact with, with Black Phillip. And then he's like, he's like, oh, you little devils. And I'm like, wow, yeah. these people are turned really easily. You know, it's that's like, what I'm yeah. saying. That's how it was back then, because back then in, th- in those days, all it was was about all any misfortune that could possibly happen back then, it was all blamed on God and demons and witches and your crops and your livestock. Like that's all these people talked about. Like that's they had nothing. That's what they believed. I mean, if something bad happened to them, then it's because they were doing something wrong and they deserved the retribution because God because of God, you know, and so it was it was always an outside force. It was always either God or the devil. And these are the these are the two things that that play on your life, you know. Right. So if you're righteous enough, then God will bring you blessing, you know, and if you're not, then, you know, and if you allow yourself to slip, if you're not faithful enough, if you don't do everything you're supposed to do, then Satan will come in and it's just, I mean, you can't allow him in because that's, you know, I mean, it's just, they're, it's, they're so incredibly strong in their convictions that it is. I mean, we'll look at the Salem witch trials, for instance, it was so easy, so easy for people to be pushed one way or the other, as far as, you know, well, this person, you know, they didn't have to have any real proof, you know, and that goes back to the inquisition even, they didn't have to have any real solid proof that someone was a witch. What, all they needed Spanish was a good. It, all they needed. <laughs> nobody expect. Nobody expects a Spanish Inquisition. All they had to do was have, was, was have a strong, uh, you know, suggestion that. Right. You know, you don't have to prove that they come to you in the middle of the night and poke at you and cause you pain. You just have to say it. And. Right. Oh well, really? Well. <clears throat> right. Well, did, Jamie, this took place 62 years before the Salem Witch Trials. So this shit was brewing, man. <laughs> Literally. Oh, I get it. Which is brewing in a cauldron. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not. It's and as long it's not going to go away. I mean, there are always going no. to be people fundamentally believe nope. so strongly in whatever they're practicing and, and whatever their faith lies. Well, Dan still believes in witches. Yeah, yeah, man. Hey, wouldn't you if you lived in Massachusetts, dude? <laughs> but, but, dude, uh, especially Boston chicks, man, they're fucking nuts, dude. They're, oh no, those are bitches. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> no, but yeah, dude. And and can I go back to something too, guys? Where I, you know I want to talk about like you mentioned um, it, the comparison to Black Coat's daughter and it being you know an art film. Would you guys say that? And I'm trying to like word this correctly here, but would you guys say it's not like completely far left, like something like uh, you know the Neon Demon or something like that, where it's like somewhere in the middle, where it's great storytelling, but 
but it's done in such a way with the shots and and like you said with the with the natural lighting and 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 just the general feel of it felt real i think it's like somewhere right in between the like you know maybe a little closer to normal than 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 most i'd say you know like maybe 60 40 or something but it's not a hundred percent art film like oh i gotta figure you know this isn't a racer head you know you know why people say that it's because this is not a traditional horror movie for example there's no jump scares there's no like high adrenaline chase scenes there's no uh line them up knock them off i mean yeah you could consider okay who like two baby you know two kids die i guess so Oh, and the mom and the dad. Okay, four people died. I guess, yeah, I guess there's some kind of traditional aspects. Well, and you can only assume that you can only assume the twins are dead as well. We don't. Yeah, the witch just took them. We're not privy to their fate, but you can imagine if they were taken that they are probably dead. Yeah, yeah, this show's all about taking kids. I just realized that. I didn't even put that connection together, but yeah, especially Which, with that is a that w- and that's another thing. That was a huge fear. I mean, the loss of family right. because family is all they had. And there's even a point where he says and oh, this kills me. When he's talking to his wife, he says I'm paraphrasing here because I don't remember the exact Oh, come on, Jamie. I thought you knew this dialect. Go ahead. <laughs> What does thou say, Amy? I just don't remember the exact line. Well, you better say it like they do because I don't want to understand this. <laughs> we do authenticity here on the Skeleton Crew, Jamie. <laughs> Basically, he says we've been lucky up until now because God has never taken any of our children. And they have five children. Uh, well, up right. until Sam was taken, they had five children. And he's like, yeah, we've been lucky he's never taken any of ours. You know, um, Basically, we were due. You know, I mean, we right. have been so incredibly lucky because that was a that was a that was a real thing. That's right. part of the reason we had so many children is because everyone didn't all the little baby turtles didn't make it to the sea. I, I thought it was because there was no TV. <laughs> <laughs> but it does speak to the times too, like you said. Like you know, they didn't have the modern medicine too, and a lot of babies just died. You know. Yeah. 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 I mean, it was it was a real real fear and like now it's it's if you have children you fully expect them to all grow up and go to college and and do mm-hmm. well or do whatever you know you just expect to have them around and now it's it's yeah. I mean, you hear people say all the time you know a parent should never have to bury their child and it's particularly tragic if a parent outlives one of their children well back then it was just it was just tuesday yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I shouldn't laugh, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, now you expect your kid to to make out with hot witches. You know, it's just different. Yeah, hey, I want to talk about that scene. That, oh, yeah. The, yeah let's now, just... dude, do you know that chick was is a Victoria's Secret model? I believe it. Because I was looking it up, and I because I, I looked at the cast, and it said Hot Witch. So I went and looked to the left. I saw the name, and I clicked on it. She's a Victoria's Secret model. It She's could, actually referred to as Hot Witch in the cast. Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> Young Witch. I'm sorry. Okay, I was young like, I didn't hot know witch. that. <laughs> can, can we compare though, guys? Can we compare? Uh, maybe for later on in this review, can we compare her boobs to Rihanna's boobs? Because uh, they they both have pretty solid competition, wouldn't you say? Solid. Uh, I thought we were going to talk about the Wizard of Oz witch's boobs. Oh, uh, that too, man. We can. Can we do a whole episode on boobs? Let's do a, a try. Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now in in. This this movie's funny because it although it's so authentic and everything, it really does 
have all the tropes of like a witch type of movie. Like for example, um, rabbit, black goat, hairs. The fu- do you know that uh, the the reason they used this hair with the wild eyes? That rabbit, um, they believed that like back then that rabbits were like associated with witches. Oh, really? Yeah, like New England superstition. They were considered like uh, magical creatures and stuff like, like that. Like Tom Brady. <laughs> and and they felt that they uh that they would like they would steal or spoil the milk from farm animals and that they themselves were witches who would come to like spy on people or influence people. Like like, you know, even to like lead them places or whatever. Like that's why that's there. And yeah. you know, of course the whole black goat thing that was always you know everybody knows that i mean even rob zombie knew that uh and then people even speculated in nightmare on elm street why was there a goat there you know randomly in the hallway what what do you think it is about goats jamie do you know because you're into the satanic shit i know you worship the devil like what is the goat motif with the maybe we should get on x on this show you ever see when they knock people over? Like in oh, videos? I was just going to say that. <laughs> I've been knocked over by a goat. Are you serious? What? Yeah, I, I was visiting uh, <laughs> my best friend's family in the in the mountains of Virginia. And we went to visit this guy and he lived on, I'm like, y'all, this is like way, I mean, he like never stepped out of 1930. And um, he had, he lived in this holler and. Holler. <laughs> and he had this cabin. Dick Hollering. He had this cabin that that had no doors on it. He was walking around in like um in overalls with no nothing underneath, just like Are you just serious. Oh my yeah. god. And he had this goat tied to a tree at the top of this hill. And <laughs> I went up to pet the goat and the goat headbutted me and I went rolling down the hill. <laughs> I'd pay to see that. Especially when you disagree with me. Like, after that Black Coat's Daughter review, I wish I could see that. <laughs> anyway, I think it, Wait a I think minute. It's, as far as the goat thing, um, sh- okay, sheep are considered loyal. Yeah, they really are. Yeah. And the oh. on the other end of that is the goat, which is, like, uh, disobedient and hard to deal with. They're difficult. They're hard-headed. And so sheep have always been associated with... That, well, I mean, now, I mean, people refer to sheep as lo- loyal followers, you know, um, <laughs> but now it's used derogatorily. But, yeah. you know, well, speaking of Jamie and a derogatory thing. <laughs> right. And speaking of loyal followers, um, if somebody doesn't do a good Photoshop of that story that Jamie just told, you're not a true skeleton crew listener. Yeah, I want to see her head on a body that's rolling down a hill. Uh, <laughs> you're not a true fan. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Jamie, actually. People believed that Satan took the form of a goat and and that goats were part of the witch's Sabbath. So, like, that's that's the whole thing. It's like uh, – Well, it goes all the way back to the Bible. Uh, G- in the Bible, Jesus makes a reference to – he has the sheep on the right-hand side and the goat on the left-hand side. Let's call the whole thing off. Uh, it, I mean, so, yeah, that stems way, way back as – and so, but yeah, I mean, it's like I said, I don't, it's not like every single goat was a devil goat. Right. Um, it's just that just like every single hair, you know, when they saw the hair initially in the forest, they weren't like, oh, it's a fucking witch. You know, it's not, <laughs> right. it's not 
every hair, every raven, because you know there's the raven that comes into play later in later in the film. Oh, that was so hot. But just like if they saw every cat, it wouldn't be, you know, it wouldn't necessarily be a witch. But those are forms that they would take. Oh, that's what they missed out on this movie. They didn't have a black cat on the back of a broomstick. I think that would <laughs> that would missed. have been a little too on the nose. <laughs> yeah, no pun intended. Yeah, the witches with the big noses. No, but you know, you know, it's awesome. I'm really happy that you know. One thing that we did not all know is that witches uh, have no shame. Yeah, clearly. Like, clearly. are you guys gonna put clothes on? Seriously, I mean, like, what is with? And listen, don't get me wrong. When Thomasina uh, decided to, you know, sign the book of the devil, that was all good. When she dropped her clothes. Wait, wait. Does anybody know how old she is? Can I say this? <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to run into any Kelly Bundy uh, incidents. I don't know. Um, yeah, right. You'll just sound like Jason. All right, we'll get uh, started in a minute. So, uh, how was your date last night? It was all right. Yeah, with that Julie chick? Yeah. <laughs> so what happened? I fucked her. <laughs> no shit, was it good? It was all right, you know, but to tell you the truth, I think she's a little bit too old for me. Oh, yeah? How old is she? She's 17, but she's practically 18. What do you mean? Look at you. You're 34 years old. Yeah, but I don't want to be dealing with chicks over 15. It's like once they get their license, they don't give a shit. Uh, yeah, I guess. I don't know. It's a little young for me, though, you know. <clears throat> there ain't nothing better than a tight, innocent snatch. Uh, Yeah. Look, dude, I'm going to get off Skype for a minute and just run some tests. And when everybody else gets on, I'll just call you and let you know, okay? I'll give you a buzz. <laughs> you know, she didn't even care until she started driving a car. Well, hold on. Let me see right here. She was born... Born 1996. Oh, my God. I don't think I'm allowed to say this. So, no, she was like 1996, I mean, she's 21, or she will be 21, 21 at some point this year. Yeah, guys, when she dropped her clothes, it was so hot. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldst thou like to live deliciously? Dude, yo, that line. Yo, go, going back to this, though, you said there's no jump scares, Alex. Um, the, the scene with that baby, that's like pretty much the exact opposite that a jump scare. You know, it's like a, a cut scene together, obviously. Uh, what did you guys think of that? Because that was very, like, unnerving for me. Like, just the way that was shot and, you know, just a simple game of peekaboo gone awry. Oh, it was perfect. You know, I thought as that was happening, I kind of was predicting, not that I'm a genius. I'm sure most people were, maybe. I don't know. But I knew something was going to happen. I didn't know. I figured that just like a, maybe a witch would be standing there when she opened her eyes. But it was kind of – it's kind of strange how the witch the, – like the thought process of a witch. Like she's going to – okay, here's my chance. When she closes her eyes, I'll swoop in, grab, and disappear. Like why doesn't the witch just come in and freak her the fuck out, make her run away, grab the baby, and go into the woods? Like what is she going to do about it? You know what I mean? Like sometimes you just got to say, you know what? I'm bigger than you. You know what I chucked that up to? Honestly, it, and that goes with the whole thing uh, with what you said earlier with uh, with witches. And I'm kind of vague as to, like, what uh, powers they have. I know they can fly. They can fly naked. They can do all these things. But <laughs> I just assumed, like, I just made it up in my mind kind of thing. Like, maybe if they're in a cl close proximity or something, they can – I don't not teleport babies. We're not talking about teleporting babies in the witch. But what I'm saying is maybe use their magic somehow to, to make that happen. Honestly, Dan, I think that's for the benefit of the movie. I think that, you know, what good would the movie be if everybody was sleeping and people just woke up? Oh, they're gone. And they did do that, actually. 
Like, what well, you know, like normal, you know what I mean? Like, what would make it different from just some outsider coming in stealing your baby? You know, the whole right. point is these witches. So, and that's another thing, too, guys. I don't know if, like, I didn't necessarily until that scene in the woods um, with, with the kid there, um, I, you know, it's, like, very debatable. Like, is this is this real witches or not, you know? And there was that question for a good amount of the movie until that scene. Well, when the witch, well, it opens up with her flying, so yeah. Opens up with who flying? He mean, he means the 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 witch that stole the baby, like you the witch see. that stole the baby, right? And exactly, but like you know if it's yeah. There, that has been that has been up for a lot of a lot of people have tossed around the idea that you know are they real or are they not real? Is this, you know, is this the, uh, you know, the mad, the mad the mad imagination of this incredibly religious religious family you know are they but i'd say i say to me yes yes they are i don't think there's any yeah. question i don't think there's personally any question about it um but well I, but i've also heard people say there are no why are they called the witch there are no witches in this movie are you out of your fucking mind what seriously what? i mean between the witch in the beginning which we see pretty damned early um to the hairs to right. the raven to the coven to the one yep. in the woods the, the hot witch as as alex referred to her yeah um right. apart from that the witch from the title is specifically is specifically referencing thomason right right she's, it, it, she's yeah. the witch of the witch you know otherwise right. it would be called witches you know witches. um right witches bitches. and bitches you know um <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would be the witches on the mom Guys, and I never, I, I, I meant it in terms of like I don't, I don't, um, not believe that these these witches, so to speak, um, didn't believe. Like I think they believed that they were witches. I just meant that you know the whole aspect of witches, you know, uh, you know, obviously practicing this religion, having certain abilities, powers. I don't even know that this isn't the Wolverine here, but uh, you know what I mean. Like have these, <laughs> yeah. so I know they believed it, but I wonder. Well, do, you know, did they just believe this as in? You know, just like the other people did with their religion. I wonder if it, I was wondering at a certain point in the movie where, well, I wonder, yeah, if it is these witches, but it's just people that believe and subscribe to this notion until that scene with the with the big titties. And, and then I just I don't even think anymore after that. I'm just like <gasps> titties. Well, I mean, I think that's a that that is valid, because right. if you wanted to look at it from that point of view, you could say that the witch that we see making the flying ointment. Mm-hmm. Um, you could say that was maybe she dreamed it. Maybe she tripped, you know, like right. maybe she was right. maybe she right. made something hallucinogenic and she wasn't actually flying. I mean, mm-hmm. you could you could at, at that point in the film. I mean, I think by the time we get to the end, it's it's pretty totally. straightforward. But yeah. at that point in the film, you could easily uh, go along with that. I mean, if if he were to come out and say, no, they're not they don't really have these powers. They just really believe they do. Right. Right. Then I'd say, OK, I'll go along with that because there are I mean, right. look at voodoo, for instance. Yes. You know, I mean, it's it's so much relies on belief. Mm-hmm. And right. if you believe right. that something will happen or that something can happen, then uh, then it will. Well, how, how about things like the real things like the kids were really talking to the goats, right? Well, we don't know that until well, we know they were talking to the goat, but we That's don't know what the goat I mean, was responding. Right. You, you know, know until until the end, you know, maybe they were just little retards. Right. right. Well, that's the thing. But here's the other thing. I, you know, the the kids did seem like evil twins. 
and they were talking to the goat, and at one point they even were like going dad, like whatever. They're <laughs> even talking as a goat and stuff like that. But the thing is, I don't know if people know this. So it, there was actually a key point in the movie that that is very telling, and a lot of people might just know it as a you know view it casually as if the kids just forgot the Lord's Prayer or whatever, but. Um, one of the ways that they used to, uh, you know, differentiate if people were really witches or not is that if they were witches, they, they couldn't finish the prayer. They couldn't continue. Oh, right. And, and that's why the mom was like, well, what are you doing? You know, come on, keep saying it. And they were like, uh, um, you know, so then she started freaking the fuck out. Like, well, maybe they are witches. So there's a whole thing, but it's never really confirmed. And since they were kidnapped like in the middle of the Yeah, there's so many things that are just left up for confusion. <laughs> yeah. Right. Until the end. <laughs> Until, but I still don't know if the twins were witches, but why couldn't they finish the prayer? Well, think about it this way, guys. You know how kids can be, you know, and apply that that religious aspect where that is a way of life. And then you add kids into the mix like it's totally plausible that they were just being little shits. And still, you're right. I still think I agree with you, Alex, where, yeah, it could be uh, the other way where they were just trying to stir things up and just be kids being kids, you know, little Oompa Loompa kids at that. But they're kids, you know. But And witches don't seem to have the same consciousness like those witches and, and they had their clothes on. And they, you know, they're just kind of living normal lives, but they're talking to the goat. Like, I don't know, maybe the goat don't recruit people that young or like whatever the case. Uh, I say goat. It's Satan. You know, it's the devil. Uh, That's that's who the goat is. Um, And that's proven because that that whole thing and during the whole movie, the mom is like, uh, you know, she keeps uh, yelling about you signed his book. You signed, you know, everybody keeps accusing people of signing that book. Right. And that's Puritan theology of that's how they used to say like it was believed that unless you sign that book, you couldn't become a witch. Like that's your actual commitment. You know what I mean? You're signing basically you're signing your soul over right to over to Satan to do his bidding in exchange for whatever he promises you, whether it be butter or <laughs> or travel. You know, okay, can we talk about this? Why was Thomasina so uh, so willing to go with this. Is it because her whole family's dead? She has nothing to live for? Like, is it is that all it takes? Like, how do you convince a seemingly well-rounded, kind of semi-intelligent, for, the, for those days, kind of girl who's level-headed? How do you, and especially who's gone through all that she just went through, like, uh, being accused. Now she's like, okay, well, yeah, I guess I'll do it anyway. Like, In her eyes, had not God forsaken her? Mm-hmm. I mean, look at what just happened to her family, and um, and they were devout religious people, and yet mm-hmm. all of this happened. So she, uh, from her point, I mean, it's 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 just yeah. the same as how do you get a person into a cult? You know, um, it's, it's she had nowhere else to turn. She was, I mean, typically like people cult members tend to be you know runaways or people who are have no they have no no one else to turn to, you know, so they're kind of swept in by a charismatic individual who right. tells them, hey, we have a place for you. Well, who's more charismatic than fucking Lucifer? Yeah, and, right. uh, and look Dan at what's happened baby. to her family. I mean, as far as, <laughs> as far as she's concerned, God has turned his back on her. 
Yeah. I mean, that's, the, that's how I would look at it if I were her. Jamie, you know how I saw it too? I saw it, you know, obviously you get like a simplistic metaphor in my mind, but I just looked at it like, yeah, you're right. She went through all that stuff and right and wrong, you know, and you want to talk about charisma, dude, with, <laughs> I mean, and, and I know we'll, we'll kind of go over this again in a minute here, but that scene when when he opens his fucking mouth and he starts talking, he it's almost what what's that first line? It's almost like he doesn't give a fuck. He's like, what does that want? Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, you come to me, and that's the whole war, and that speaks to the whole you know the devil thing. And oh, he was so seductive, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and we don't see him, but I know he's hot <laughs> as fuck. Like, we don't. <laughs> uh, that's what I was thinking. What does thou want? Can so give. like the taste of butter? A pretty dress. Wouldst thou like to live deliciously? Yes. Wouldst thou like to see the world? What will you from me? I cannot write my name. Love it, dude. That, you know he looks like Charlie Hunnam. Yeah. <laughs> you know who I picture him looking like? Do either of you watch uh, or are you familiar with Sleepy Hollow, the Fair TV enough. show? I just um, Oh, Johnny Depp. Yeah. Yeah, great film. Christopher Walken. No, no, no. The TV <laughs> show with the, uh, the the Ichabod Crane character is that um, that's... that's how I picture him looking. Um, oh, that guy? Is, yeah. It's like that. And just, I don't know. I mean... There's something there's something that has been always supremely seductive about uh, about say and there well even from the beginning even in the Bible you know he was well, that's the whole in, point. The, in the very beginning he was seductive that's what he does and I just I I want to see him so badly in this film but it doesn't matter that we don't because I have my own right that's uh, my like yeah, I you made it up in your own mind I did right. and I'm like I know that's what he looks like and if he asks me what I want I'm gonna tell him. You know, it's like... I actually met the devil one time. I, I went through this weird religious cult experience and I said, you know what? Who's that goat legged fellow? I really like the cut of his chip. <laughs> and he, he's a real sexy guy. And uh, we had a couple nights together. I really, really get into it. Didn't work out. So I'm back here with you guys. But uh, yeah, super seductive. I've spent many a lonely night waiting, waiting in a crossroads. But, you know, nothing. No one ever showed. Yeah, when he left, I was like, please don't go. Oh, you son of a bitch. This whole uh, movie, basically, 
is about faith and religion heavily, even starting with the whole premise. It starts off with a guy's religious beliefs that basically fuck his entire family, send them off to the middle of nowhere, but they stand by. So what you're supposed to get out of that is that these people have strong convictions and they cannot be fucked with. Now, if you notice throughout the whole movie, this all unravels and it is all about losing faith. It's and it just right to what Jamie said, God has forsaken them. Uh, so what the fuck? I might as well go to the fucking opposite of God. So think of that. Now, I want to like, what do you, Jamie, what do you think is the metaphor for the the insane amount of wood that this guy chopped and it was literally as high as his house and three stacks you know going <laughs> across and this and that and the metaphor of of the whole scenario with black philip you know as they say you know satan disguised himself as black philip and uh, that's been proven goes kills the da- uh, rams the dad ram man <laughs> abraham rams the dad <laughs> Uh, gets his horn is stuck in his stomach or something. I think that's why he was like bleeding. Yeah. Um, then the dad gets up, grabs that same axe that he chopped all that wood with, then just throws it down as if. As if he's sacrificing himself? I don't. That's what I want you to say. And then, wait, 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 wait. Then gets hit one more time and then gets buried with the wood he's been chopping the whole movie. Well, I'm not sure where you're going. I, I have a feeling you're going somewhere with this. <laughs> and, and no, I, I'm not. I actually just thought about it, but I don't really know what the metaphor is. We well, we don't answer questions on this side, Jamie. We just ask them. We need you. To <laughs> yeah, I know your role, Jamie. I thought perhaps you were yeah you were going somewhere with that, and you were going to see if if I got you know the same thing. But the father has always represented sort of a Christ figure, and that. Um, one, if you when you see him, like when he has to take off his woolens after he falls in the mud and all of that, then he's wrapped in the sheet and he's chopping the wood. He looks so Jesus-y at that moment, you know, when he's yeah. just got the, the swaddle around his, his... Yeah, he, this guy looks like Jesus, for Christ's sake. Then in the end, when, in the end, when he is hit by the goat, he hits him in the side, which is where Jesus was... Oh, yeah, when the guy stuck him just to the blood to come out. Right. So – I didn't there, get that at all. The, I don't know that that's the – if that's the – No, you're probably that. right. But but that's what that, – that's what always calls to mind to me. There's a lot of religious imagery here as far as oh. – in the, at the dinner table, we get a shot of when he's uh, – when they're about to eat and he has his hands up in prayer. Um, to me, it's very reminiscent of the Last Supper. Mm-hmm. Oh. You know, with yep, yep. and we get the shot of him directly in the center with his hands up in prayer. And that to me isn't, you know, just another way that plus, I mean, just look at him. He looks kind of like Jesus, you know. Well, Jamie, don't you think I made another connection? How about uh, how about Ethan Embry? It's the same thing. I, I'm making connections with the other. Yeah, movies. Oh, oh, both of them. Absolutely. I I, wow. yeah. I don't know what he intended, if he intended something sp- like a specific metaphor by the wood. But if I'm going to um, if I 
continue with the Christ theme, then uh, then it would then follow to me that it would be uh, the the cross. Oh, wow. But him him going to kill Philip with that axe and throwing it down, what was that? He just lost his faith or something? Like, it's completely gone now and it's just... I don't know. Well, I don't have all the answers. I just make shit up as I go oh, along. No, no. Well, you know, if you notice, as his, as the whole family's life got more and more chaotic, it seems like the wood was the only thing he had any control over, and he kept doing more and more of it as things went right. crazier and crazier, and it built higher and higher. So hmm. I wonder if that has anything to do with it, because that's the only thing he could sort of... <laughs> control. Control out of everything that was going on. I wonder, we should try to like piece that all together at some point. Yeah, we should do a review on this movie or something. Yeah, let's do some research and, and review it. And, uh, you know, before we wrap this up, too, like, the the main thing I – I don't know how you guys felt when Black Phillip finally did talk. But, like, so I always – you know, I, I feel that this movie is good, but you are waiting for the ending. You're waiting for something to happen, right? I mean, there's got to be that, that something that it's like, you know, either – I didn't know it was going to be as extreme as Black Phillip. I really didn't know what to expect. But I got to be honest with you, I did have expectations for the ending, especially just because people tell me, watch this, watch this. And, and I love this movie. Don't get me wrong, but oh my God, I loved it that much more when that motherfucker started talking. Dude, my, I, I didn't realize this until the scene was over, but literally guys, like my jaw like dropped and I was just like, I had like this grin on my face, like, wow. Cause that's a pretty bold decision to go in, 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 you know, to go that far, to go to that extreme. So so that's just I don't know that 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 made it for me. I know that is the scene that I don't want to say make it or break it, but either is going to set you over the edge, whether, you know, like liking it and loving it. I know it was for me. And and that just made me love this movie. And then you add that scene with the witches, too. And that's just kind of icing on the cake. Like, oh, you know, they, they could have ended it with uh, her just walking in, into the woods with Black Phillip. But they took it. They took it a little further. And then that's where it really gets crazy. But that whole sequence from when she starts talking to him on, I don't know about you guys, but that just made the film, it just set this film over the top for me, personally. Well, yeah, I agree with Dan. I think that is the scene that separates whether you like it or love it. So, Jamie, how did you feel about it after all that? I I, I, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yes! <laughs> so it made her love it. Yes. How about you, Alex? Did you love it too, man? Because that was the scene, man. Put it over for me. I I think that what the movie is, it's almost perfect in a sense because it did everything it wanted to do and it did it probably the best anyone will do it. Agreed. Agreed. Right? Okay. Yep, totally. However... How do you how do I say this? I just wish that the focus was not so much on the family and it was more See, I everybody knows I love witches, right? So I feel like we just got little pokes and drips and drabs of witches like the the baby disappearing, the whole scene with when the witch was sucking on the goat's nipple after Thomason realized blood comes out of it, I guess the witch 
realize that, so it went and drank from it or something when it stole the twins. That was just all one big scene, though. Then the one, I guess, the one where the witch makes out with the boy. That's three, and then the end. So that's four. So it's more than the Blair Witch had. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was hoping that once I got a little bit of a few tastes of the witches, I figured that maybe we'd have some more interaction with them. But they were completely, you know, tertiary characters. Really, I mean, it's hardest. I mean, if you see Thomason as just the main, and then the family is secondary, or the or Thomason and the dad, and then the family is secondary. I remember when it was over, I just felt like, wow, it was all about the family, really, and, and how the witches affected them. It wasn't so much about the witches. So I think that's the only thing that would make this not really everything I hoped for. Because we got so so many touches of it that I feel like we could have had one or two more, you know. And even and it's funny because even Black Phillip supposedly they wanted more of Black Phillip, but supposedly he was so difficult to work with, all that kind of stuff that they couldn't even fill more shots with him because uh, he wasn't as well trained as they they thought he would be. So they had to scrap a lot of that stuff. He, True to a goat's nature, difficult to work with. Yeah, that and kids, right? They always say don't work with animals and kids. I wonder if the Oompa Loompas were more difficult or less than Black Phillip working with them. Hmm. The hills ran red with the blood of animals and children. (laughs) And that's why, because they're fucking difficult. Right? (laughs) So you wanted a little more witches in something called the witch, basically. That's not a – I think that's not not an unfair um, uh, thing going in. But but I I agree with you to a certain extent. I think, yeah, it would have been cool if they showed more of that stuff. But at the same time, that's not that story, you know? And I feel like – That's the thing. It's not this story. That's the problem. Right. And again, like you said, it's not that crazy for you to want more witches in something called the witch. That's right. All. So yeah, I mean, it's reasonable, I suppose, to ask for that. But you're out, Alex. <laughs> uh, and and just looking at the mom was just uh, that was very trying on me. Maybe they'll make the sequel, the bitch, with her in it. Oh, the bitch! Hey, when's Rob Zombie gonna make Halloween Three, Season of the Bitch, and it's about the his wife? <laughs> his see. his wife is Michael's mom coming back as a ghost, and she just kills people as a ghost. But when does it take place though in the timeline? That's what I need to know. <laughs> oh yeah, Tom Atkins has to come back into <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but overall, barring what I desired and taking what I got, yep, I give this a. 4.5 only because uh i i think that with jamie's point i think only plays to people who have seen this multiple times i think there's one of those movies where because people have told me before oh i didn't care about the actor or the characters in um oh i think it was oh sleepaway camp 2 i know it's so weird that we're talking about that in the midst of this i know <laughs> Yeah, it's departure. Yeah, it's really (laughs) odd. But uh, I think it's probably the only witch review, guys, you're going to hear Sleepaway Camp 2 be mentioned. Right. (laughs) But the reason I'm saying that is because they said they they just didn't care. The characters weren't as good. They weren't like whatever. I think the answer to Jamie's thing uh, in accordance to my view of the family is that I think I have to see this a couple times to care about that family the way Jamie does. I think on first watch, I think my assessment is pretty accurate. I think that, uh, you know, the the dad is so conflicting that you don't know if you're really co-signing with this guy yet. You know, you right. don't know if you're really, like, 
okay, maybe you're not the guy I thought you were. You're kind of a dick and an asshole, and you're being really an asshole to Thomason. And uh, so I'm just on Thomason's side now, and the mom is just fucking annoying and unbearable, and the twins are assholes, and the baby is a baby, and the baby was gone right away. So yep. uh, it's like, yeah, I don't, I didn't care that much about the family, and I'm sure if I watch it enough and re-experience all this with them enough, I might. Mm-hmm. For now, since I don't, on first watch, I say 4.5 out of 5. Ma- masterful filmmaking, well done, really made me feel like I was watching a real-life incident that was going down there. And I would like to see the sequel, where it's all about the witches. <laughs> no, <I'm just laughs> the <kidding>. bitches. <laughs> witches, the bitches. Uh, uh, so, I, I, I'm curious to see what Jamie thinks first. Uh, yeah, how, how high do you rate this, Jamie? Well... One thing I didn't mention yet, um, by the way, which is very important, yes. to, at least for me, is the personal scare factor that I got here. And it was very real. The crone, specifically, which is that we see the one in the beginning and the one at the end that's suckling the goat. <laughs> that is straight from my nightmares as a child. Yeah. I was wow. When I was a kid, I used Dude. to read... Um, I used to read fairy tales a lot mm-hmm. and I was terrified of giants and witches and I would have actual nightmares of like giants coming and leaning down and peering into my bedroom window and that would freak me out. And then uh, I would have these images of witches. Well, if you look at old wood cuttings or if you read old books or anything like that, that is the vision of a witch of how they were portrayed that that's what they look like that crone witch image was seared into my brain were they naked (laughs) sometimes in the pictures that you see yeah um and you not necessarily in my head but when but yes when you see that (laughs) image of her and then she turns around and does that awful cackle Yep. That was so authentic. It was yeah. it was holy cow. And when I watched it the other night, and I've seen this movie a handful of times, when I watched it the other night, again, it still sends chills right, right. down my spine. I mean, it freaks me out. Like that moment to me is is really on a personal level, really scary. So I love that. It I mean, it touches me personally. Mm. Um, this movie last year was the number one film of the year for me. And it blew everything else away, pretty much. For all the reasons that I've stated, and probably some more I haven't gotten into. But I can't see any other rating for this film than a straight-up five. I can't do it. I I don't think there's anything I would change about it at all. Damn. Wow. I feel like we were just in a courtroom and Jamie just gave her closing argument. That was sick. <laughs> that was good. That was good. That was good. Yeah. Uh, I told it. See, this is where ratings come into play. I'd say more than probably even more uh, ratings, in ter- like personal ratings, uh, more so than the movie. Because I agree with everything Jamie said. Um, I just think that if I were, were to rate something uh, as a five now, I'm trying to be like, it, it, for me personally, it's uh, it has to be life changing. So I would. Yeah, like that would mean you want to go buy it. You're going to watch it twice a year, but you're not going to do that with this. Well, because I realize the range that there are some movies that have 
have that effect on me personally. And it's like to rate every movie a five because technically speaking and all that kind of shit, it's a five. But I just refuse to give it that. I, I, I don't mean it, this specific movie. I've talked about this before on the last show even or the show before. I forget where I just refuse to give it a five because there are certain movies that have that life changing effect on me. This didn't have that, but it's as good as it possibly could be. Dude, I love this fucking thing. When I had to watch it again for the show, I was like giddy about it. I, I was, you know, because you start off and you're watching it, and, and and it just it makes that ending, knowing the ending too, it just makes it that much better, knowing what's going on. So the rewatchability really is strong on this movie. So so yeah, four point five out of five, motherfucker. Uh, real quick for Dave, uh, it would we would be remiss if we didn't throw in a clickety clackety <laughs> for Dave. Yes. <laughs> it's yeah. all about the clickety clackety. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. All right, well, uh, Dan, really quick, I guess me and you should be the only one to say this really fast, uh, just for a minute. How do we uh, compare this to the Black Coat's daughter? For example, this is a 4.5. For me, it's a 4.5. And what do we say with Black Coat's daughter? Uh, I believe I gave it the same. I think you both did, yeah. Right, okay. So now if we had to verse it really fast, I hate to do it, really. Compare them. Uh, just for a minute, just to say if, if we're on a desert island, which one are we taking with us? Well, so this is where it's tough, Alex. For me personally, um, the the uh, Black Coat's daughter, just because it's more recent to me um, – I feel like I'm still kind of like just uh, I just love the ending to that. I love the the way that whole movie played out. Um, I'm kind of digging that right now, but they're pretty much interchangeable. I felt the same way about The Witch when I first saw it. I watched it like three or four times, dude, when it first uh, when I when I first saw it, which um, which is much later than a lot of people too. But um, yeah, I'd say they're interchangeable, literally, like I, maybe one over the other at any instant in time. But then you know, another time it could be they could be opposite. But right now, Black Coat's daughter. How about you? I only seen them both once. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm. <sighs> I think Black Code speaks to me a little bit more because of Emma Roberts. I'm, I'm, and I do really love Thomason because um, I really like – I really bonded with her in this movie and I, I really like her in Split too. I can't wait to see what she does, man, in the future. She's such a good little actress, man. I can't. Uh, hopefully she goes on this uh, – on this, you know, keeps going on this on this train of good movies, you know? I know. Yeah, from A24, right? Aren't they both from that? I hope Are she they? stays in horror. Right, right, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would rather relive Black Coat's daughter over and over than this. This almost seems like more tormenting. This is like more horrific. Yeah. <laughs> this seems more like agonizing torture for the for the family. Yeah. Black Coat's daughter has this awesome subdued dark side that is not torture to more subtle yeah. subtle like literally she enjoys this i mean she's not being tortured by it that's why know? i like that too man it's kind of like oh that's why i mean they're both like about the devil but it's just black coast daughter is just like oh this is kind of badass i don't know what that says about us but it's kind of badass uh what does it say about us that we're doing basically a skeleton crew like satan trilogy here i mean we're doing the black coat's daughter then we're doing the witch and then we're going to do the devil's candy i mean what the fuck are we doing at the show you know what i think that speaks to I think that speaks to how good the movies have been lately. Like, because because you could easily get the devil wrong too. Uh oh. 
No, you know what it might speak to that we don't have never even realized? Maybe there's a new trend. Instead of found footage, now it's like possession. Yeah, I said I said that when we were watching Devil's Candy. I was like, you know, Satan yeah. movies have now there was the whole satanic panic back in the day and right. you know, around the Exorcist, Rosemary's Baby, all yep. of that. But it seems to uh, the omen. I mean, there there was mm. it was really big and then and but now it seems to be coming back. We've gotten a lot of them recently, and they've all been so good, or at least the ones I've seen. Right. I haven't seen them all. Um, there's The Devil's Dolls, which I haven't watched. There's a movie called Satanic, which I haven't watched. And some of these, frankly, just don't look interesting. Yeah. But the ones, these, the ones that we're specifically discussing, have all been really good. So yep. it's exciting. Yep. It is, yeah. Let's just mention, since we're talking about Satan, really, uh, the Satanic Temple actually endorsed the witch and hosted several screenings of the film. And their spokesperson, Jex Blackmore, addressed the film as an impressive presentation of Satanic insight that will inform contemporary discussion of religious experience. So they are so pleased with the representation. (laughs) Hmm. Nice. Yeah. So... There you go, guys. That is our review of The Witch. We will be right back. We're going to give you a double creature feature tonight. We are going with The Witch and The Devil's Candy. And we're going to break it up a little bit, though, guys. You know, you know, do two, two movies at once. You need intermission. The intermission will take place at the Bates Motel. Alright guys, so now the Bates Motel is winding down, man. They have ten episodes a year. Or winding up. Yeah, Ooh. winding. It's gonna ramp up. It's already ramped up. This is the best season. This is it. We are right dab in the middle of it right now, dude. You yeah. must dude, you must be of all people, Alex. Oh, you too, Jamie. You guys both must be like so happy with where we're at in the in the storytelling of Bates Motel right now. I am pissed. What? <gasps> I'm I am, shocked. What? I am so mad. I I I hate this so much. Oh, this is all okay. I get it. Oh, the, see, we're recording <laughs> on April Fools. I see what you're doing. <laughs> you just reminded me too to stay off the fucking internet today too. So it'll be that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you no, actually have I, it going, dude. I am. I'm. I'm loving this, and even with the subtle changes that they've made, I don't hate them for it. I'm okay with it. The only issue that I had is I do wish Norman had been Norma. Oh yeah. Why didn't they? Oh, well they said why. What, what I thought that too, but at the same time and the way, the, how they switched that, we're not, it's not over yet. 
we're not through. So I'm hoping. Well, yeah, that, yeah. Do you know I what mean, I mean? Right, you're right. Um, but I'm not mad about uh, the Marion Crane, Sam Loomis thing, which a lot of people seem to be pissed about. I'm not mad yeah. about that because let me tell you, when they did utilize that scene, they fucking nailed it. They right. nailed every shot, Agreed. and I was blown away when we got that. I was like, "Do the eye, do the eye, do the eye," and then when yep. they did that shot of the eye, I was just like, "Yes!" Like yeah, I was they did. so happy. Plus, you know, I kind of hated Sam. He was a dick. So it didn't yep. hurt feelings, you know, that it, that it went that route. Not in the least. I was very happy with that. Yeah. By the way, spoilers, guys. We're going to talk about it. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, sorry. sorry. Um, I, a lot of people have been skipping this segment. I've, I've been told by more than one person that they have been skipping all of our base motel segments. Guys, catch the fuck up. Yeah, that ain't our fault, dude. Slap. Yeah, we're finally on top of this shit. We've, we reviewed the first five episodes four fucking years ago and somehow forgot to do the rest. And now we're finally current. We're yeah. finally giving you something seemingly weekly about this. And... And now you're not up to date? Like, come on. We can't win. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you have to watch. Uh, I regret so much that we didn't do it. And now that it's the final season, it's so eventful and such. it's so big and horror right now. It's like you have to be on top of this. If you're not talking Bates Motel as frequently as you could on your podcast, I mean, God – that's just don't even talk to me. Such a shame. Talk to you. Just, just, yeah. just go, just go watch fucking something else. Go watch oh. fucking yeah, anything else. Yeah, I, that's the thing though. Like uh, right now, man. Um, now it's like, I think that it's better to be watching this as it happens to waiting every week. It builds the anticipation, man. And what I can't. I, I'm not going to say it's bad, but I wouldn't want to necessarily binge watch this. Like, I, I'm no, kind of loving I don't think so. I'm loving the spaces in between it, man. I'm loving the anticipation and especially how, like, fucking, dude, how they ended last week's episode. Just the way and, – and everything's building to a fever pitch too. I mean – Oh, better than ever, man. This is perfect. Uh, well, let's just talk about some major aspects that kind of went down. Rihanna's boobs? Oh, sorry. If she's in it, her boobs are in it. <laughs> okay, so Norman Bates now is full on gay or bisexual. Uh he had sex with a guy. The way uh I made a really like uh crazy meme where it's him yelling and then oh, yeah, he's, like that. he says, I'm not gay, I just have a really horny mother. <laughs> That's good. Basically what you're getting out of this is that Norman is not gay. Norman Bates isn't gay. But when mother's side takes over, he goes out gallivanting around bars and hooks up with guys because that is what Norma is attracted to. He's such a psycho that he actually picks up guys. That's how far gone he is by the time mommy is in his head. Yep. How crazy is that? Like, what do you guys think about that? That is some major shit to digest. Uh, if we're talking how crazy is uh, a character that's based off of a movie called Psycho, I'd say it's right in line. <laughs> I'd say that's perfect. I'd say that's that's right on, dude. dude I think that's a big progression. That's a big character difference. 
Do you think it's a leap though? I don't think it's. I th- see. Here's here's what that says to me. Now, obviously, we've talked about this before. This is you know baseball. T- it's obviously more fleshed out. They're adding different aspects to it. Um, but you you know you never got into that um, in in the whole Psycho movie, obviously. Yeah, because there's only a couple minutes in each movie. Right, exactly. You only get so much time with that. So for them to really dive into that aspect of it, um, honestly, I think it makes sense. That that's that's an extreme like, you know, um, I guess not end game, but that's an extreme like conclusion to come to. But at the same time, like I said, we're dealing with the uh, an iconic character based on a movie called Psycho. So I think it's perfect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How do you guys like this inner struggle as playing out on the show? disassociative identity disorder is what we've always known he has we know the mom side takes over when he gets you know aroused by women and stuff like that it's so much more fleshed out so it's there's so much more to it now the mom is walking around cooking dinner cleaning up doing this doing that talking to him and chick and the funniest part of this entire season is when norman is waiting for Chick to respond to the things his mother says. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That is the funniest <laughs> thing. Dude, I literally almost fell off the couch laughing. Probably the third or fourth time it happened, too. That is so funny to me, man. He's just trying to go along with it, too. Like, yeah. Yeah, the, dude, there are, there are... Remember how I mentioned how season two is laugh-out-loud funny right. the entire way? This season is also almost like that. There are so many moments that are so funny, dude. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, uh, yeah, th- that how awesome would it be, too? Mike Marion reminded me of this the other day of if, uh, you know, because we're, we're, we're past the point of how awesome would it be if she rolled up to the thing. But how awesome would it be if it ended and it went right to black and white? That would be a good idea, too, I think. Yeah, uh, at this point, who knows? Well, uh, there is a part of me that wishes they had been a little more faithful to the original. I, I am not hating them for it because I'm enjoying seeing what they're doing with it. And uh, uh, to me, it's kind of like when I watch The Walking Dead versus read the comics. You know, they take their own direction with some things. And I like to see where they go with that. I'm not going to be mad at them for it. But there is a part of me that does wish they'd been a little more faithful just because I love the original story so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, can I, I, I want to elaborate on that too, though, guys. I, I totally agree with that. There's a part of me that feels that way too. But I almost feel like we, uh, not not that we shouldn't have opinions on it yet, but I also do want to see how this plays out. Like you said, she goes on her merry way. Well, maybe not necessarily true. I mean, she could still get it. She could freaking do the whole Arbogast role for all we know and, and get it on the stairs. I mean, they switched it up. And I know, like, we'll talk about this in a minute, obviously, but that, that whole shower scene that they, I mean, the fuck with the shower scene is like sacrilegious or so we thought. And then it played out the way it did to where they could could totally do so many different things now the possibilities are endless and i know that that if if people like you and and you know jamie and and you alex are are, can't be not swayed but can't be like pissed off about stuff like that then i feel like the show definitely uh you get you give it some leeway it gets some breathing room to do whatever the fuck it wants so i think that i think personally she's still probably gonna get it but how i don't know and uh and and i i'm definitely i can't wait to find out how it does play out i don't think she is getting i think she i think she's done 
Really? Are we, are we to believe that she's coming back here? I thought she was finished with this. I think she's got another episode, buddy. I think. I don't know. I oh, could I be wrong. Know. I thought she was done. Okay. Well, um, yeah. I mean, her them switching it out. She doesn't get killed in the shower. I, we were all probably just jaw jaw dropped when that happened. And then when you brutal realize, scene, dude. By the way, brutal scene. That was fucked up. When he has his homoerotic uh, penetration of Sam in the shower. Yeah, that was really, man. Like, stab it. Oh, dude, (laughs) that just really unnerved me, dude. Like, when he stabbed him finally, like, I think he got him in the spine, dude. Like, oh, my God. Well, he did that to Mary, and she turned around. He jabbed her in the back, too, in the original. And check this out. I loved that episode where he killed Sam Loomis so much that I literally couldn't even believe what I was watching. And I actually went home from work the next day and watched it all over again. I had to nice. see that whole episode twice. Then I put Psycho on. Oh, cool. It just made me long for the original Psycho so much. And I think that's why Jamie and I aren't getting bummed out. Right, Jamie? Because what do you figure? Like, it, we still have our movies and now we just have a loose interpretation of them, which is still great though, right? So. No, I agree with that. And. You know, if if I want to go back to what I love about it, then, I mean, I just recently read the book, you know, so there's always that, or I go back and watch the movie, um, which actually hasn't been that long since I watched the movie. So, you know, that's always there. So that's why I think I'm okay with seeing their interpretation of things, because it's not going to change anything. It's not going to change the beauty of the original, you know, Mm -hmm. and plus I, I trust them. Right. Because I've enjoyed the show for this long. I think they have earned my trust. They totally earned it. Yep. Yeah, that, but that's the whole thing, though, man. I, I appre- And that's why I'm like, I, I kind of, uh, I'm like going back on that. Like, I think our idea is great that, you know, if she pulled up and it ended there. But but with everything, all these loose ends that need to be tied up, so to speak, um, I think it's a great way to go. I mean, hey, we haven't seen it yet. But like like Jamie just said, I think that they deserve some leeway. Um, they, they, I think they've earned it at this point. And the whole Dylan thing, man, he just found out. Like, he literally just talked to Norman about this. It's just starting to play itself out. Oh, and how funny was that, too? Oh, that was... Like, oh, dude, I don't want to talk about it! Yes, it's very bad! <laughs> that whole scene was great, dude. Yeah, uh, he is so funny! I know, dude, yeah. So I, I think um, I think it's definitely going to play out. Like like we said before, I hope him and Wheezy, uh, you know, go off into the sunset with their baby, hopefully, because that would be... Wait. Even if he, even if this does play, even if something, what could possibly, what could Dylan possibly do when he gets there or whatever to make this all worth it? I'm sorry. I'm going to go down on record and say Dylan's character was just not that great. I'm sorry. He started off really good in season one, tapered off in two, and that's the end. I agree. Okay, well, I agree to a certain extent. I don't but... care. Dude, season three, four, and five, his character fucking sucks. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know what? I, I do agree that that's a weaker aspect of the show, And, and it, but I still hold... I still hold, you know, reservations on my thoughts until it finishes out. But oh, yeah, at too. this point in time, I agree with that, dude. I I agree. But it, it also, I mean, like I said about the um, the chick character and all, and and pretty much, you know, like you said, Norma's brother and all that. I think he's there probably to 
I hate to say it, but move the story along to provide a contrast to Norman and Norma and 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 all these different types of things. But like I said, we still haven't figured out how it's how it's going to end, and maybe there's a great ending with him in it. I, I personally can't think of uh, of how it's going to end, and I kind of like that. I just like to I want to see. Yeah, how I don't you, know what the show happen. takes me. Yeah, like just I want to ride this wave, dude, and that's what I mean. Like I love actually having it, uh, having a week in between these episodes because it, it gives you a little time to breathe. It gives a little time to age, so to speak, and you can think about these things. And I'll be honest with you, dude, I loved the last two episodes so much to where I'm just like, I'm so excited about how they're going to end it. But there are a lot of loose ends that that had nothing to do with the movie uh, or, that you know, nothing to do with the movie to begin with. None of them. Do. Yeah. yeah like Romero and then Dylan and, and, and Emma. Like, who would have thought? And then you still right. got um, Sam Loomis's wife there, too. Um, so Madeline, you get all that. Yeah. I wonder if he's going to kill Madeline eventually. Yeah. You know what I'm wondering, too? Since they strayed so far from the movie, I wonder if Norman's going to end up getting killed at the end of this. Could be. Like, Could be, dude. Yeah. Right? Like, I feel like Dylan's going to come and kill Norman or something like that. See, that's what I mean, though, bro. That That's what I'm saying. See, they set up these things. And, dude, like, I think that they've proven themselves to where they, they wouldn't have him stick around if it wasn't for a reason. But I could be wrong, too. But I don't think that they would bring him in just to um just to kind of end it and keep him alive for this long. Just to just to end it. To go there and get killed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, or or that might happen, dude. And it might happen in an awesome way, i.e., like I said, maybe he, he's the one who walks up the stairs and gets it on the stairs, and that's that whole Arbogast scene, and there you go, Arbogast. <laughs> well, how about he kills Dylan and then raises his baby with Emma? That that, that too, you know? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I think the possibilities are endless, and I reserve all my thoughts um, on the Dylan character until until the end. And you know, what do we got? Three, four weeks left, whatever it is, um, until we see everything play out. All right, Jamie, who lives, who dies? Come on, Jamie. It does. Does Madeline live? Does Dylan live? Does Romero live? Does Chick live? Ooh, uh, ooh. Um, Chick lives because Chick writes the novel. <laughs> And um, I, I did dead serious on that. Uh, he's writing Psycho right now. That's yeah, but he's writing Psycho. But maybe he doesn't. <laughs> maybe they just, somebody just gets his uh, book. Oh, maybe I. Yeah, <laughs> some guy named right? Robert Block finds oh. it on the side of the road. <laughs> hey, Rob, what is that? Uh, I don't know. I found a book. We uh, we laugh about that, but what if that does come in? I'll I'll I'll. I think that's funny. I, that might actually come into play too. I that, that would be very funny. Ooh, I, I kind of like that idea about Dylan. And uh, yeah. maybe Norman not making it. I, I mean, I don't know. Right. Who the hell knows? I mean, the way that they they've taken license with this, we don't. We can't predict. They could go uh, any of those directions. So, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't, I don't, em, Emma's baby <laughs> lives. That I know for sure. Uh, well, no, now we just uh, talked about one movie where a baby got mashed up in a barrel. I mean, at this point. And another movie where he's killing kids too. I mean, it could this could be the dead kids uh, episode. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. Yeah, we're gonna talk <laughs> about another movie where kids get killed. So yeah, I think uh, I think it's all foreshadowing. I think we were meant to talk about this on this show. Well, one one thing 
I wanted to ask you guys about too is um and I th- I thought of you both when when this happened and I got really giddy just like the um when he's eating the candy corn and and you know that whole scene um with that episode that preceded this one or a couple episodes Dude, ago. Dude, that rather. bag literally said candy corn on it. Did it really? Yeah. Okay. Um yeah, no, uh what did you think about the line? The the line that they took uh Right out of Psycho, did they not? I'm pretty sure it was the uh, what was it, personal traps line, right? Uh, no, no, they almost did. He he mentioned personal trap, but it, but he didn't say. I think we're all in our personal traps. We scratch and claw, but only at the air, only at each other, and for all of and it, we never budge an the inch. Third one or no? No, no he what I'm he sorry. said was uh, loving people is like a private trap. Who knows if they love you or if they're even real or whatever, or if they are who they say they are. I think I subconsciously picked up on that because I didn't know if it was word for word, but I, I got that. No, I you were supposed like, oh. to get that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, you were supposed to – that was supposed to be a wink. I'm not that dumb then. Sweet. Oh, no, no. Uh, and they had tons of little nods and hints and lines. They did lines from original Psycho when Marion came in and stuff. They did uh, angles again, like the one angle where Norman looks over the counter that happened a couple episodes ago. Oh yeah, right. That's what. Yeah, in the yeah. That's yep. one, and then you got the one, you got the ones where the way she when she was sitting down eating the sandwich and he was sitting on the other side talking to her. But it's weird that you never got to that awkwardness where he was like, "You mean a madhouse? My mother there?" Right. Right. Yeah. You know. You know. It was another one that I didn't pick up on because I do think it was an episode that we reviewed last time, but I didn't make this connection. Same. Same deal where they switched it up, where um, instead of uh, Marion seeing her boss walk across the street, um, it was Norman in the car, and it was his doctor. Oh yeah, right. I didn't pick up on that, but I just I was thinking about it more and more, and I was like, oh, that was an homage to that scene. So constantly they keep switching it up, but nobody's complaining. We're all just like, yes, keep doing it, keep it, keep doing it. They're they're trying to give you a modern day psycho wet dream. Yep, and they're succeeding. I'm sorry, but they're doing it. Yeah, I can't complain. I'm so happy, and I'm so happy it's in long form. And I, you know, hey, there's something to be said about. We us having to watch one movie over and over the rest of our lives, you know? Yeah, why? Yeah. I like that I get to watch, you know, 200 hours of this. But when you watch a movie just 90 minutes over and over, look, even that is fulfilling to us. We've been doing that our whole life. Yep. Right? Yeah, so, so, and we will continue to do that. So just imagine how happy I am that I get to do that with, like, 200 hours. I, I guess we can get a real number. I mean, it's like... And it is ten well, times five. Yeah, I, well, I, dude, I can't do math here. Sorry, that ain't much strong suit. No, no, but, but the thing too, it's 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 it all speaks to the quality of television too. To where it's not like a, uh, and I hate to say it, but like a MacGyver episode where you know, but there's like so much put into TV these days where they are movies. So we're getting a million times more than we would with the movie Psycho. And there's always going to be Psycho. We're always going to love it for what it is. But that's just the the contrast between television and movies where that's they're kind of one and the same now, except I'd say TV has the edge because you have, well, it depends on what kind of story you're telling. I guess if you want to try and talk about the devil's candy, you can't really make a TV show about it. I guess you could, but you know what I mean? Like it's very, I think Psycho works because it's a classic and people want more of that so we get it and we get it in such a great capacity and such good quality to where uh i don't i don't see too many complaints and like you said psycho is always going to be there if you don't want to watch it then you don't have to watch it just watch psycho there you go problem solved 
Yeah, I watched this show and then Psycho back to back. This show, uh, meaning the episode where the shower kills and all that, I watched that and then Psycho back to back. And guess what? I loved them just. I loved them just as much as I, like. I literally had probably a better time watching the original Psycho this time than probably ever. I told you I did that recently, dude. They showed it just before. Uh, oh, yeah. Her. Yeah. And dude, I dug it so much, dude. Yeah. It was so good. And it's because we're getting those little hints of it and it's it's reigniting our love. And then when we watch it, it's just like, God, this is good. You know, it doesn't hurt it. None of the switches, none of the changes, nothing hurts Psycho. And it just proves that, like, respect, you know, if you respect something, you can change all you want and, and not and not like offend the material and not because right. you because really, I mean, don't dude, fucking with the shower scene was a was a bold move. That's Let's not move. go over that. Dude, that's a big move. And we were all like, we're game. Well, bring on more. We want to see more. Give us more. Right. So that aspect of of how this show has nailed it, um, I think, is one of the one. It's going to be one of the um, one of the most memorable aspects of this show of how yeah they 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 respected it yet it's not completely derivative from the source material so it is what it is and you move on and and like you said you know there's always going to be psycho you can always go back to it but this just adds to it man and and like you said man this is like a fucking psycho's wet dream a, a psycho fan's wet dream man hell yeah. So, guys, please flip that Bates Motel light sign on <laughs> and watch. Please experience that last season with us. That's what you got to do, man. All right. We'll be right back with the devil's candy. <laughs> <laughs> The Devil's Candy. This movie is heavy metal horror. It was directed by the same guy who directed The Loved Ones, which a lot of people like. His name is Sean Byrne, uh, which is ironic because there's a lot of burning at the end of this movie. Oh, nice. Excellent, Smithers. Yeah, excellent. What a tie-in. <laughs> this movie's cool. A family moves into a house where... A weirdo and his parents were living and Satan began talking to him. And I guess it's because of the house. So this does have a little touch of Amityville in it. And uh, it... Little. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing he didn't do was chop wood. <laughs> exactly. We should have like a bunch of wood chopping movies we review. <laughs> Friday Five. <laughs> yeah. Forget it, Fick. Just forget it. <laughs> Yeah, so it's about uh, devil possession, stuff like that. Um, the family moves in. This guy's an artist. 
and the devil starts, uh, you know, having his way with him to some degrees. Not as bad as the uh, original guy in the movie, whose name is uh, uh, Ray Smiley, I think. That's who we were talking about last time, man. Yeah, he's yeah. so good. Yeah, so that guy, uh, the way the devil possessed Ray Smiley is he would go around killing children, putting them in suitcases and burying them. He would actually, like, chop them up, like, hardcore, like, way into it kind of thing. He wouldn't just, you know, smack them in the head with a bat and throw them in a basement. No, this guy, like, was invested. And then the movie is about a struggle and a battle within... Uh, I don't know. I just think that this is a really, really good horror movie. I mean, it's a possession movie that's just done really well. The performances are amazing. I love this family, yet I yes. am sympathetically drawn to the bad guy here. I, and I can't help it. And that's one thing I love about this film is that you can draw me in emotionally from every side. Also, it is stunning. I mean, th the color palette in this film, oh, the framing yeah. of the shots, the music that he uses is, um, I mean, like you said, it's it's heavy metal. And it's not heavy metal in the sense of like deathgasm where, <laughs> right. um, but heavy metal plays a very strong role in this film and it's all used very carefully he doesn't just yep. randomly pick songs that sound cool right. uh, every song <laughs> that he chooses is on purpose and placed perfectly within this film and it's uh we even have our antagonist here the only way that he can chase the devil out of his head is to play it loud yeah uh bro well by the way real quick dude get some headphones you asshole I mean, it does the same <laughs> shit. You don't. You don't have to annoy everyone else just so you. I don't never hear thought of that. No, that's a that's a that's a really good point. That's, that's valid. a really good point. That's valid. That's totally valid. He could be playing this shit constantly <laughs> with headphones on, and he don't even have to play his own guitar. He could just play these albums. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I think the the biggest aspect. Of, I totally agree with what you said, Jamie. They used it so many different ways. And first of all, I'm so happy, like you said, they didn't just throw in all generic songs. Like if if I heard Pantera walk on there, I would have been like, oh Jesus, here we go. You know, that it was very it was very specific. But I like the way that they use music uh, to speak to the family dynamic, like you said, because right away, like it just shows that this is like a pretty cool dad, and it showed that bond between him and his daughter. You know, he got his he got his kid into metal, and we talked about this briefly on the last show too, where I just fell in love with this family too, and and you get those connections through stuff like that, like they're bond like they're a close-knit family um more so father daughter than the whole dynamic with that girl but I, I still feel like it is a very cohesive unit but i thought the music played in uh, and spoke to that aspect more than more than the uh you know the satanic and you know the, with the guy without the headphones uh type of deal yeah the guy without the headphones uh, well, let me just say this i have two things to say about the music one is that i think jamie's right they use the music really properly in this movie because the metal added power and energy to a very subdued film like if you think about it, like this this movie is eventful enough but it's still very tame mm -hmm. and so the the peppering of the metal keeps it hopping in a way like it, it keeps reestablishing the relationship between the father and the daughter because you know that that's where their passions lie and that's where their bonds lie right 
as they uh even when you see the juxtaposition in the way he hugs her when she first gets dropped off at school compared to you know a week or two later after all this is going down and the way he hugs even with that you know you get reminded of of what it was and then you re- you get that sense of loss all over again. Right. So that was actually as well done. But the one thing I'm going to say that is a, I don't know, this isn't a bad thing. This really does not even take it down a point or anything like that. But uh I got to say I did a bit of an eye roll when I saw the Metallica shirts cuz I don't know, I'm just like that was just weird to me. You would think that they'd go less commercial and like, you you know, you, people who are so passionate about metal, you would find it weird that it's not like black metal or whatever. Like you'd find it. It's just strange that they're just sticking to like the biggest name. Dude, there's so many different ways you could go with the music in this movie. Like, I just literally think that it's probably a personal thing with the director. And honestly, like, I I rock Metallica shirts now, and I would have said that would never happen, like, even 10 years ago, you know? Or maybe... maybe Yeah, but that's fine if anyone does. I just thought that when you're making a movie and and you're... I know what you're saying. It's... I mean, they, they still deserve a great amount of respect, even though in later years, they're not as, they're not what they used to be, but I I think they still command a a huge amount of respect. Now I do see what you're saying in that, in that you would think that they would go for something maybe a little less known or maybe a little more obscure, but then at that same time, you also want to be able to reach people, I guess, you know, any metal fan will appreciate Metallica. I mean, we're big That's metal right. fans in this house, and we yeah. we both love Metallica, but we love older Metallica. And yeah, I'm totally just speaking on artistic. If they were wearing Sabbath T-shirts, and people would be like, "Oh yeah, of course you're wearing Sabbath. Everybody knows Sabbath." You know, <laughs> so I would have said that. I don't even um, like Sabbath. Yeah. <laughs> so it's um. I mean, but Sabbath is the the you know that's the the godfather of metal. The the, the yeah, I saw him live. Don't like metal if we didn't. Well, I mean, and that's fine. That's that's fine. But I mean, Ozzy was all jammed up though. But it'd be, <laughs> it would be totally legit if someone were wearing a Sabbath T-shirt right. because you know that's yeah. that that's the seed of metal. Right. But then at right. the same time, you could you could look at him and go, well, yeah, of course you're wearing Sabbath because you know. I mean, so it just. <laughs> I, I think no matter what they did, right. someone would be like, oh yeah, well you know. <laughs> And that's, so they just went for the most popular then. That's key though. Yeah, I think – but I, that's what I mean. Like I think there's so many different ways you could go and I think Metallica falls in somewhere in the middle where it's it, – it, you could definitely see a lot of people. Like Jamie said, uh, a lot of especially like older – you know, uh, or fans of older Metallica digging it. So I, I see both both sides of the argument and I do feel like that's a uh, pretty good – pretty good uh, – are we still talking about the shirts? This is so funny. We're just well, I, I mean even Beavis wore metallica shirt i mean you have to try right like you you should probably try a little anything besides the name that every household knows i think would have been made made me happier that's all i'm saying solid point yep that's all i'm saying okay (laughs) so uh yeah now matthew mcconaughey was amazing i mean he's grown so much as an actor from texas chainsaw next generation that's perfect. That's perfect. Dude, that, I love that I'm not the only one who made that connection, that apparently that is a connection everyone is making because right, right. that's the first thing I thought of when I saw uh, Ethan Embry. 
Yeah, Ethan Embryo was amazing. <laughs> well, can I say something about him real quick before we get really into this movie, too? He's been like a chameleon these past few years uh, between the guest. He was a guest. He was on a guest spot, technically, on The Walking Dead. He was on there for such a short amount of time. Um, what else has he been in? He's just been, oh, he was in that movie. Remember Vacancy, even? Going back to what? That was like 2000. Yeah. I don't know. And he's just been kind of like dropping in these movies where it's funny because it's funny that you mentioned matthew mcconaughey what what is it he was in cheap thrills fairly (gasps) oh my god yeah i love cheap thrills i love that song but yeah it's uh he's been like a chameleon lately in terms of like uh like especially this role like you uh, i i say a chameleon i don't mean it like in the sense so you can't recognize come 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 chameleon where's michael jackson now this dude we're starting to and then metallica like we're saying metallica we're not going so obvious (laughs) exactly He's been great though, man, and oh my god, his his physical presence in this was ridiculous. Forget the hair. I mean, don't forget it. That oh, was, he was captivating on screen. Right, dude? Oh, that was awesome. Completely different from the fat guy, too. That that's what's funny. He's like Ethan Embry's all ripped and you got you know He's repulsive. Yeah, exactly. You got ripped and repulsive. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. But we're going to get into Ray Smiley very soon. Those painting sequences. I was already into it right when they the, he was painting and it was like a close up and you could see the way the brush goes through the paint and smears it around and the colors and everything like that. And when Jimmy was talking about the palette in this movie, I thought she meant this guy's actual personal palette he was using. Right. <laughs> <He> <laughs> because that was amazing. Yep. Good. The art itself, just the way it was filmed, and the art, dude, like when he was painting pictures of all the kids, and then there's the one picture where it's like it's just a bunch of eyes or something like that across, or right? It was like it looked like a big moth or something with like eyes going across. Well, wasn't it? Wasn't he supposed to be painting butterflies for the bank or something, right? Yeah. And then maybe that's like the flip side to it. When, you know, when you start hearing voices, uh, it turns butterflies into moss, maybe. I don't know. Oh, uh, uh, by the way, this is a spoiler review. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. By so the way. I was going to say, you guys, why do you think that Ethan Embryo wasn't killing anybody? Like, why would he just paint differently? I don't know if this is right, so I'm going to say mine before the correct answer comes from Jamie. But I took that as the family metaphor, and it speaks to that relationship with that family where, you know, the devil, yeah, he might have been talking to either, or he might have heard voices in his head. But that family aspect, um, you know, it, there was that internal fight. And, and in the end, you know, spoiler too, it's it obviously turned out well, somewhat, somewhat well for for uh, for the whole family. But I, I, I think it speaks to exactly that Alex where that guy really you know I mean he didn't seem like he had that good of a home life compared to uh, Ethan Embryo's family so that's how I saw it anyways but then again that's such a kind of a simple way to look at it so let's go to Jamie for the real answer and the weather (laughs) well it's currently still 53 degrees in my home (laughs) (laughs) that's the weather (laughs) um Okay, no. Well, Jamie, is the answer that the devil doesn't do the same thing every time? I, no, I, th- I think that's exactly what it is. I think that the I think that uh, when it comes to the devil, he plays to each one's weaknesses and it who they are personally. And we have we find out that this that Ray was his name Ray. Uh, Ray Smiley. That, yeah, we find out <laughs> that Ray at from a very young age had a history of killing 
children. And so I, I think that he, I don't think he'd been, it's not necessarily known what, how long the devil had a, a grip on him or right. whether he just played to that particular aspect of him at, at, at a very early age, you know, so maybe he had had him that whole time, but, but he played to his own weaknesses and who he was personally. The devil's going to attack you in whatever way works best for him. With for what you're already prone to, maybe. Yeah, and with the mm. Ethan embryo family, <laughs> I mean, what it, it was it, while he while he was having uh, while he was exploding art wise, he was it was sucking his entire life. He was ignoring his family. He was right. pouring everything and all of his other responsibilities. He was pouring everything into this art. It was uh, what what was the word you used earlier, Alex? Um, to oh, consume it was consuming him yeah. this is interesting i don't know if uh, either of you picked up on this but the gallery to which he was attempting to sell his art and the man right. who came out it was belial that was the name on the side of the building oh when, that's the guy from basket case um well yeah but <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll go with that. That's what. That yeah, was, we'll just go with that. That was an homage to Basket Case. That's exactly what that was. <laughs> See, that's what it's like working with two idiots. You see what Jamie goes through. <laughs> Belial Basket Case. Okay, it, we'll, we'll go there. Sure. Okay, Jamie, tell us the real connection here, because I I was going to ask you guys, what do you think? Those two represent it to me. I, I'm not even gonna say because I'm sure I'm gonna be a little off. So let's just hear the right answer, Jamie. Go ahead. What is Belial? <laughs> well, Belial goes back to the Hebrew Bible, where uh, basically it then it's basically what we know now as the, the devil in Christianity. But the mm-hmm. Satanic Bible, or according to the Satanic Bible, the Anton Lavey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it actually it, it actually refers to meaning without a master, and it symbolizes independence and personal accomplishment and self sufficiency. Oh. Because if you know anything about actual Satanists, they're all about how you are responsible for your own everything. You know, you don't owe anything to God. You don't owe anything to anyone else. You are responsible for what you get. And so it's all about personal accomplishment. What are we to get now from the scene where he's trying to keep pouring him drinks and he's supposed to pick up his daughter because he blew it the first time and he has to get her the second time. And he's like, sir, I would love to sit here and finish this whole bottle with you, but I got to go pick up my daughter. And and he says, "Ah, what's another five minutes? Is that? Yeah. I mean, he knows what's good. That's the way I look at it anyway. He knows what is going to happen if he leaves his, if he doesn't pick up his daughter on time, you know, and uh, what then uh, consequently does happen. Because if you listen to what Ray had been saying, the devil has wanted her the entire time. And he, he, he keeps trying to push Ray to bring her uh, to him as his candy. And he won't do it because he likes her and he doesn't want to do that to her. So he keeps turning to other children. And the devil is basically like, no, this is what I want. This is what I want. Now, this isn't – we don't see this yeah. happening. This is all kind of behind the scenes. But right. but Ray conveys that the devil has wanted her. And so he knows that the devil knows what's going to happen if he doesn't pick up his daughter in time. And now, so consequently, it does happen Jamie, because he doesn't – he's holding him there. 
Well, also I, with a sense of personal accomplishment. He's like basically saying if you give a shit about your career, right. you're going to sit right here with me and you're going to finish exactly. this bottle. You that's, know? that's what I picked up from that, Jamie, for real. Like on, on a simplistic level, that's what I was just – yeah, exactly. But what I know it didn't explain it. Like you said, it's kind of not you know like upfront about it. But that's one thing that I couldn't really figure out is – why that girl specifically? But I think you just nailed that the devil wants what the devil wants. That's pretty much the answer. Well, right? they moved into that house. I mean, at least. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. think it. The devil is about the devil is about corruption. The devil is about seduction. The devil is about, and it, there is really no rhyme or reason. It doesn't have to be. There doesn't have to be anything special about her, except that by taking her, she will cause a lot of destruction. It will hurt mm. a, a lot of other people. You that's, know, and it's. It's it's um I always look at I always look at the devil as being sort of, you know, I I don't really give a fuck. I don't have to have a reason. I this what is going to cause what's going to cause people pain? What's going to cause people discomfort? What's going to that's what I'm going to do. He's just he's amusing himself. Exactly. Exactly. It's all for his own personal amusement. You know, there's no rules or ways to do this or nothing. You know, I mean, he could just as easily accept, um, you know, some child who has no parents who's living on the street who's you know mm-hmm. who's but that would only then really hurt that child what he True. wants is something what's amusing to him is when it causes you know massive destruction and maybe um, he just you know, doesn't like just, metallica it's just for fun you know maybe he needs a new metallica shirt so he's gonna take her <laughs> maybe he's a megadeth fan <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong with that well, Jamie, uh, I wanted to like what can you elaborate on on the originality because I found this movie not really that original at all. Like yeah, it had different aspects that came together and that's what the movie is and I'm sure it hasn't been done specifically like this, but you mentioned briefly, you know, it's kind of like Amityville. I think it's very much like that. I think it's very much like several different movies combined into one. That doesn't take away from it. Like originality just wasn't the first thing that came to mind and I'm thinking about it more and more and it's like I, I don't I don't think this movie is original at all I just think that it, in its execution that's where right. it thrives well that's and that's that's exactly what I'm referring to oh. the, the age-old yeah, story of the age-old story of you know devil seducing man of course is right. not going to be original but it is explicitly in the execution of this film that we've never seen something quite like this before okay. you know Totally. And that's the approach to it is what I find original and right. refreshing, gotcha. you know. But dude, even the idea that like uh, you being possessed and then some kind of artistic thing comes out of it, that's not original at all. There's right. really – this is so derivative of of everything that we've been speaking of now and it, there's nothing really original about it. Maybe mixing heavy metal with it but then you mix heavy metal with satanic and that's not original, you know. Mm-hmm. I complained how the witches, the whole point of the witch is how we're supposed to watch how it affected the family. And that's the whole movie focused on the family and not the witches. And for me, I felt that that left me a little unfulfilled. Now, in this movie. Was it the opposite? um, No, it focuses on the family and not Satan. Guess what? I walked away feeling totally fulfilled. And I think it's because of the job they did with the family and the actors' performances totally. that 
just stood out in a different way and the way they brought it to such a real life like you know kids kid murders and kidnappings things like that it's also something that you can connect to a little bit more easily because it's modern day right you know and these are things that you live that you see in your everyday life but i want to bring um when you mentioned uh connecting heavy metal with with the satanic aspects and how that's not original here's the original part about that historically heavy metal has been blamed for bringing kids to satan it's you know it's the devil's music it's blah 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 in this film it's the hero Right. And that has yes. never been done before. I didn't I didn't think about that. Good fucking point, dude. And instead of bringing the kids to Satan, it bonded the love between a child and her father. Yeah, it's it's the fucking hero in this film. And no one has ever approached heavy metal from that point of view before. I didn't think about it like that. Good point, dude. That's awesome. That's it, Dan. It's all the way it was executed. They they took elements that we're all familiar with, much like the witch did, took all those same elements, but they the way the execution like even but going back to like the performances, the daughter is such an amazing actress, or at least she at least she did good in this movie because what she could have easily done once her father started letting her down and this that disappointing her, she could have played that teenage angst. She could have t- like went over the top, and it could have been a very one note Johnny with that. But instead, she played it with such depth and accuracy and realisticness. She walked the line, or whatever you say, you know. And and to speak to her performance, okay. So I really noticed something where. You know, as a kid, too, they don't give her a lot to do. I don't mean like in this movie physically and stuff like that, because the second half is just crazy. But it but it, it on paper, it's kind of a one note character, but the acting definitely elevates it. And in the second act, really, I mean, I mean, I'm sorry, in the third act or whatever. Well, really, like the second half of the movie from from where he kidnaps her and even tries to get her in the hotel that one time, she kind of plays what like the victim, like the 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 damsel in distress. But oh, yeah. oh my god, did she do such a good job with it? And good job I don't on say- that too. Yeah, I don't think they gave her nothing to do. I don't mean it like that, but it, I think that it could have totally been like forgettable. But if 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 it weren't for um, the A story and B acting, and and when I say A and B, those are interchangeable. I think it's everything together. You know. Yeah. Well, the I think the only person that we little uh, lukewarm. I think we're all on is the mom. Not even bad though. Just, not bad, just not developed really. Needed. And- needed though. And it's weird. The whole dynamic of the family, like, they're so heavy metal, but none of them look it. Like, they all look like pretty normal people. And and I like that. The, the, but there's something to that, the way they're conveying those things, because I totally believe that they love this and they're totally way into it, this and that. But I also know it adds to the depth of them in, in a way to not make them look that way. Well, dude, I've always felt that way. I've always, like, maybe in seventh grade, I think I told you, I used to wear a choke collar and corn t-shirts, and then I realized that doesn't have to reflect my uh, my, my personal, you know, like, like my, my, 
my clothing sense or whatever. But but that that it goes back to what you were saying. You guys were both saying about the heavy metal music and stuff like that, dude. That's exactly how the fuck I feel. Like and heavy metal's always got a bad rap and from many different angles too. Everybody looks at it like it's a certain thing, but that's not indicative of personality at all. And so when I when that whole music and 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 you know um, how it how it falls in line with how much this family loves each other too. Like I totally connected with that. I was like perfect. Like like you said, that's what it is. It, it gets a bad rap, and that's that. It could be further from the truth, you know. How, much like horror fans, everybody's like you know looks at horror fans. Same thing when you go to a metal concert, dude. Like a lot of the times, if somebody falls down in the pit, dude, everybody stops and goes and picks you up. There you yeah. go. That's no, seriously, like that's it, and it's usually the biggest guy. Now, granted, life, you know, tracks all different types. There's always that one asshole who goes around and he's fucking, you know, uh, 250 pounds like a fucking Hulk, and he's an asshole. But that's just that's just life in general. I say the major, the mass majority of people that are into this kind of stuff. It, yes, is it's extreme, um, especially people that don't necessarily get it. It looks extreme, but it couldn't be further from the truth or misrepresented. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's and that and they, I think this movie represents it well, and I think that's what makes this whole family so likable and lovable. And I connect with them more than the witch family because they didn't like heavy metal. <laughs> yeah, the, these guys did not know how to rock at the witch, and even the performance of like we said a hundred times, Ethan Embryo. Like the fact he was so likable, and Love. and watching. His struggle, too, he did not just completely submit to this thing. He picked up the paintbrush and bam, he lost hours or whatever of his life. And he was just standing there. And all of a sudden, it's, you know, whatever o'clock. And he says, shit, he goes to the school. That is clearly out of his control. But this Ray Smiley, was he possessed by the devil back 30 years ago or whatever when he was killing kids? Why was he killing them then? And now he seems reluctant to do it. But the devil wants him to. I, I think as a child, you're more easily led, you know. So maybe mm-hmm. when he first started doing this, it was, um, you know, that he was more susceptible to the influence right. of the of the devil. Yep. And then as then he, of course, spent all that time in the asylum that inner struggle is so obvious. Yeah. Oh, it is, and it, he conveys it so beautifully. It really breaks my heart. It it does, and that's one thing I I absolutely love about this film. Any other film would have taken this guy and made him, you know, completely evil. Right. Uh, you know, he would have been like Leatherface. Well, actually, I don't think <laughs> Leatherface was evil either. But it, uh, he would have. You know, I know who you mean. Like um, uh, it just like takes somebody who's just, like like the guy from Slaughterhouse or something. Yeah, like oh the guy from Wolf Creek. <laughs> oh my yeah, goodness, slaughterhouse. Um, <laughs> hey, how about when he kept watching those weird like Bible Belt videos about Satan and stuff like that before? I think that's him, him trying to. He's fighting it. He's trying really hard to fight it. So if I if I turn up the televangelists, you know, maybe I can chase it away. I mean, he is struggling for his soul here, and right. he's doing everything he possibly can, and. That is what breaks my heart because he's not evil. He's not bad. He at his within his soul, he doesn't want to do these things. And I just feel for him. I I feel so deeply. No, what a performance. Sorry for him. And yeah, it is his performance. And like I said, any other movie would have made him just some evil bastard child killer that you don't give a fuck about. And 
that to me is again where the originality lies here is they is that point of view for this for the killer and you don't really see you don't really see a, a character that's sympathetic in that role but how, like how about even the scene where like uh, the girl's sleeping and wakes up and he's looking at her that's like, what oh, i was talking my... about dude on the last oh, show that oh, kills me god so badly, I want him to explain it to her. I want him to say, I'm not going to hurt you, right. you know, instead, instead of just like clamping her over the mouth and telling her to shut up, which that's just going to freak her out even more. But right. I, I'm like, I, I, the whole time I'm watching that to her, I'm like, he's not going to hurt you. Just, just listen, just, 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 shush, shush, shush. just listen to what he's saying. Listen to what he's saying. I mean, because he doesn't want to hurt her. And that's what he's telling her. He's like, look, I'm not going to hurt you, you know, but she, you know, you wake up in the middle of the night, you're a teenager <laughs> and you see this dude laying in bed next to you uh, who looks like uncle fester yeah. you're gonna freak you know you're gonna freak yeah, out you know so it was perfect it was a of course that's how she's gonna react but then even in that moment i was feeling sorry for him because i'm like yeah, no. he loves her so much that he believes in her when she, when she says she won't yell he's so stupid and he's so infatuated that he really says you won't really okay and, he and he's like his a hand child up. you know yeah. he's he's it just oh my god it's breaking well, my Jay- heart all over again i can't take it well, that's what I'm saying. Even his reaction to her waking up and he opens his mouth like, oh, like a child, like, yeah, that's, that's, yes, that, yes. So, that, that freaked, dude, that freaked me out so bad, dude. That's what I was kind of alluding to. I didn't want to give it away on the last show, but dude, when that scene hit, oh my God. And it's, it's got those creepy moments too. And I'm sorry, Alex, I didn't know if this is where you were going with this, but even going back to the cop and, and liking the cop and stuff like that, can we talk about the fucking brutality of this movie? I was going like, to use those exact words. I was really? going to say, that- let's address the brutality of this film while we're at it because yeah. Yeah. D- Jamie, we should do a podcast together. <laughs> just leave me out of it. What are you talking about? Like the kid murders and stuff? Like oh, oh my god, the cop kills. Oh that, my dude? god, dude, her screaming. You know what it reminded me of? I thought she was about to say, uh, "Swing, swing." Oh yeah, <laughs> swing, Meryl, swing away. <laughs> I thought she was gonna say that. oh no but no seriously that was her screaming and then it's funny because i heard the car and i heard her screaming and i couldn't really figure out you know obviously yeah nobody could yeah no And, and then and then in your mind like a whole bunch of scenarios are taking place like well maybe she hit a tree and she smacked her face against a steering wheel but who were we even listening to this and that and then all of a sudden you look out the window and you're like oh my god yeah, that is terrible. <laughs> yeah, he was an asshole. Like, well, you know, it's funny because I remember Jamie saying that she wanted to hug him and stuff on the last show. And then as I'm watching this asswipe pull the trigger to blow the mom's fucking brains out, I'm like, uh, yeah, no, I don't agree with Jamie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, maybe in the beginning I could in see the this, beginning. but I don't know why she's still talking about him like that because I I don't know. I mean, I get what you're saying, Jamie, but eventually there comes a point where I'm like, okay, I'm I'm no longer, yeah, I'm not on board here with you. Yeah, and and, and yeah, exactly. Well, by the and, end, I, I right, I, yeah, by the end, I was I was there too. <laughs> it actually, yeah, reprehensible shit. You know, but even then, I knew it wasn't. Well, <sighs> I know it's not. Uh, it's just not him, and I, right. I, I. I, I I, but but they gave us to me they gave us enough in the front of the film right 
Totally. So that by the time we got to the end where he was doing some really reprehensible shit and I was like, okay, maybe, you know, eh, take him out, you know, burn it, <laughs> kill it with fire. Um, I, yeah. <laughs> no, wait, am, am I remembering this wrong? Because I did only see it once. Um, is there a part where is I believe it's the kid who gets smacked in the back of the head on the on the swing. Now, I recall that kid being alive and then he comes over to cut him up while he was alive. Am was I that remembering it? that wrong? I don't know. I, I that don't... I don't remember because yeah. I was I was so relieved that they didn't go the dog route. Um, All <laughs> oh, right, yeah. <laughs> uh, I was like, I was like, because the whole time I'm sitting here going, because you know you, you're not really sure which way he's going because they're they're kind of being cagey about which, yeah, direction, which direction he's in. in. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so I was sitting here going, go for the kid, go for the kid, go for the kid, <laughs> go for the kid. You know? Exactly. <laughs> horrible. Yep, I agree, though. <laughs> I feel like uh, we didn't even really mention anything about these child murders. Now, it seemed like such a big deal when the guy fucks the baby in the Serbian film and stuff like that. But how come we're not saying anything about uh, taking a baby and mashing him up in a big wooden barrel? Um, yeah, <laughs> disemboweling them. Society like, is always more horrified by sex than it is by gore. True. That's just true. the way it is. Um, yeah. vi- we can take violence as a society way easier than we can take a sexual crime, and I don't know why that is. I think it's I think it's messed up. I don't know why mm-hmm. it is, but you know. well, it's just like in '84 when they initially Freddy Krueger was going to be a child molester, and then. Right. And then it was like, no, 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 we can't, we can't molest children. Let's just kill them. Well, because that's that's better. I, I, I agree with what Jamie just said. I think it's probably always been there, except that, you know the MPAA and society in general. They're just starting to, you know, because you get the flip side to it, where you know stuff like that. Uh, it sounds fucked up, but like the more extreme some things are, and the darker t- television shows get. Look at Breaking Bad or True Detective and stuff like that, where things are getting so darker to where I think it is becoming quote unquote more socially acceptable. Not in real life, just I mean in terms of of, of them realizing people can take shit like that now. Because I mean, if you the more you hold back, you're really just censoring art and i think they're coming they're not there yet but i think the the mpaa and 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 people in general are starting to come around to that but that's just my thought it's not socially acceptable in real life i have to change my plans for the weekend <laughs> jamie jamie's really <laughs> mad about that furnace not working Jesus. turn on the heat for this girl she's gonna kill I some think kids what you the know fuck? what you know what it's the furnace it's the devil the yes. devil has the devil has left my furnace that's why it's quiet that's Jamie, you should be like in the furnace room in the Black Code's daughter. Exactly. Exactly. Oh my yeah, God. why don't you give us some offerings? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that way it could reject you. <laughs> don't go. Please. Everything comes full circle. Yeah, it does. You no, know, I'm going to be chopping wood in a few minutes here. We don't even have a fireplace, but I'm going to start chopping <laughs> some <that>? wood. <laughs> wow, maybe that's. It's, uh, I just can't. I'm, this is, I'm too caught up in this now. <laughs> 
Dude, can I tell you how happy I was because we love this family so much? Like spoilers, obviously, spoiler alert for this, but I'm so happy there was a there was a happy ending to this. Like I did, and especially after that brutal scene that we just started getting into, where you know shot the mother and that how he shot Ethan Embry and how that whole thing played out. Like I'm like, oh man, it reminded me. It just it it it, it just left on such a dark note. It reminded me of like the ending of like Scream Four at one point when Sydney. <laughs> Or suppose- oh, Emma Roberts is back. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. It just, it was such a down. I'm like, really? I'm like, please don't fucking end it like this. So I'm glad that they really, you know, and then they brought back that that quick vision in his head. Um, and then that that awoke him. And, and then he's like, where is he? Or where is she? And then, dude, here's the thing, though. Now, we mentioned the music, right? I fucking love this type of shit. When a movie straight up goes rock star on you, I love it because it wasn't over the top, but it used that whole rock star thing to where, okay, here we go. Now he's going to fucking go get her. And I'm still hoping that they didn't do that. Have her, have him save her and all that kind of shit. Beat him over the fucking head with the guitar. He does it with the guitar, right? Too. That's badass, dude. I, I was hoping that they wouldn't go good and then retract from that. I guess they kind of, did a little bit with the voices at the very end but even still i am so happy you guys that they they ended this on a semi happy note in this one you almost needed a happy ending you needed it hoping everything was just tied together so well and like i said that daughter's performances she was so non-one-dimensional you saw her struggle and 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 everything like that i mean they could have probably you saw it the most with that awkward hug in the car i think they could have uh, explored that a little more they could have showed more loss from her normal daily life instead of just not getting picked up from school on time and stuff they went very to the point with this movie though that they didn't really like you said with the art dealer too they could have explored many aspects and it could have added to it but this movie is very straightforward very quick in its execution and and it gets there quickly and yeah and i and, and you know what and you still get that other stuff out of it it's it's almost like maybe i'm wrong about it, a couple of these things where i say maybe things should have been explored like the art dealer and the door because we didn't we all seem to fucking love it. So I mean, why why drag shit on and who needs that? I mean, just get to the point we still took the same stuff away from it. I still love the family. I guess whatever was in there was a lot more than what wasn't in the witch to me, you know? Yeah. So why would I need anything else, you know? Well, there is 11 minutes of something else out there that oh, Jason really? saw that that of course he that did. <laughs> is has been trimmed from the the current release is what 79 minutes and it was originally a 90 minute film which is not long that is normal that is your average right. film yep. and even on the short side nowadays you know yep. um totally. and uh, now and I ask him you know you know what what's missing and it, I don't and he said nothing really is Nothing significant was taken out. It was mainly just okay. the some of the scenes had more time to breathe. Yep. And so they kind of they relaxed a little bit and allowed things to happen. And even and, and I was trying to picture, well, was what do I want those eleven minutes? I do. I want to see those eleven minutes. I want to see what it does for the right. film. As the film is, I think it moves along nicely. I think it, right. it it's just fine. 
But I love it so much and I love looking at it so much. I wouldn't have minded seeing some of these scenes breathe a little bit longer. I'd be willing to stay 90 minutes with this film. So I'm curious to see the full version. And I hope that when they release it on Blu-ray, it does have the full version because uh, I really want to, I'd love to compare those. As an option, I don't want to be forced to get it because... No, I mean, as an option, I'd right. like the opportunity to see it. And maybe there is something. Because, I mean, 11 minutes in film time is a long time. It's right? a long time. So there could be some other full scenes that are completely missing, you know. Yeah, but I also think that speaks to the movie, too, where um, us asking those questions about the dealer and more, you know, we want more of this, more of that. I think that's always good to uh, to explore because that just, you know, oh, wow, I want to see more of that. I think that speaks to the movie's strengths. But at the same time, if it does work on the other end of the spectrum where it's not really needed, I think it's even better to just think about. And, and those that's what makes movies fun for me. Like uh, you think about all the stuff that they could do, but at the same time, it's like, you know what, though? Not really necessary, but I think it's always fun to think about stuff like that, man, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it is. It's it's great. It's, it, everything about this is great. There's really, you know, for, for as derivative as it is, for as cliche as the T-shirts are, for, for some things we want more of, I mean, this is amazing. And, you know, just like we realized uh, the witch showed us that witches have no shame, this movie showed us that fire is really not all that hot. Like, apparently not. You can or- hang out in a room that's engulfed <laughs> in flames and get whatever you got to get done. And you'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when it's CGI fire, which I, is the one thing that yep. that takes away from it. And, you know, honestly, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me enough to even really take away from it. It just is the one thing that I was like, ah, oh, damn. Um, and yeah. that is the CGI fire. But, um, you know, whatever I, by that point I was so completely invested and I was so in love with this film. I didn't really care. Exactly. Maybe it's his uh, weight loss plan. That's a quick way to burn some fat. You know, (laughs) is that why he did that? I think so. He's like, listen, honey, we're going to get two (laughs) things done at once tonight. (laughs) <laughs> no, but uh, overall, though, I think this is a, an amazing movie. And, and and also, like I just said about that, it's weird because it's funny, like how you can take those those, uh, you know, generic aspects of it and still create an awesome story while using those and not not implementing the, the generic like mindset of it. Like, yes, there might be generic aspects, stuff that we've seen before done in such a fucking perfect way. And and to me, dude, I, I enjoyed this movie so much. I kind of really want to watch it again as we're talking about it. But it was near perfect to me. Yeah, I would agree. Again, like how many films is this? Four, five, six films in 2017 that we've seen that just keeps killing it. I keep trying to say, oh, wow, man, I forgot that is... we reviewed Split. Right? Everything. Yeah, we are we are really doing a lot of production in this show. Uh, I, dude, I, but I owe that to uh, – I was thinking about that too, but we kind of been spoiled where we've been getting all these movies. Like the podcast is going great because we have great movies to review. <laughs> Right. And even even Invisible Man and Creature Black Lagoon, like even the ones we chose going backwards have been great. Yep. So, uh, yeah, amazing, amazing climax. I mean, I could not have been more invested. Talk about investment. 
I mean, man, when that car crushed the lady, the other cop was getting, you know, whatever. Brutal. Then he comes in, and then you see when he's walking in, and you see the red, like, blurry uh, window that was in Ethan Embryo's mind earlier <laughs> in the movie when he was having some kind of Ford flashes or whatever you want to call it, like premonitions. Yep. Uh, th- when that when that clicked in your mind, like, yeah, that's what we were looking at that one time. Uh, and that, and then he shot him and he's in the house and he gets the, pulls the legs and he gets the girl and it's just like, and the, the gun to the mom's head and then going up the stairs, the gas pouring, I was just like, oh my God. And then right. the mom waking up the dad, like, holy shit, dude. It was just, and it only got a, a tad, like we kind of alluded to, a tad ridiculous with how long these people could be in that room. We got to remember the heat, the monoxide, uh, or carbon dioxide, whatever. Carbon monoxide, yep. The, their their hair would have melted up to their heads already by the their point they were in there. True. It's just like it's just crazy how long they were in there. I don't really know why they did it that way. I think they could have gradually built the room up a little bit better. Maybe not so engulfed in flames, and then it got worse and worse. That would have uh, that would have helped mm-hmm. this movie, I think, and it would have helped the ending because you do eventually like. Even though you're so invested and you love it so much, you're like, well, why are you still in there? Right. You know? So, and I, I, and I, I gotta say, I'm a fan of editing. I'm a, I think there's something to be said for that. So, uh, although I think with Jamie's view, I would like to see those 11 minutes one time and that's it. And then I'll go back to this movie. Yeah. The right. Way it is. Agreed. Uh, yep. So, uh, how do you guys rate this? Dan Chase. Same thing, man. 4.5. I've been thinking a lot about this. I love it, dude. I love this movie. Um, I think the rewatchability is strong, too. I watched it again for the show here. And, um, yeah, man, just a solid flick, dude. And, and it just it, it preaches to that point of like um, or it speaks to that point where it's just, uh, you know, sometimes it doesn't original originality for me in that sense. And I know, Jamie, what you're talking about in terms of originality, too. It's just kind of different ways of using the uh, different ways of approaching the same word really but i love how the original take on it of what you said but um you know this isn't necessarily original so to speak and yet it still thrives as an incredibly good movie to where i just uh i think it's i think it's great dude i i like it so it's uh (laughs) don't steal her line I'm sorry, Jamie. Sorry. You could steal mine. Uh, you could say you're from uh, you're from Boston. You could say you're from Jawsland if you want. Um, but yeah, yeah, so that's... She would love to say that. Yeah, right? 4.5 out of 5 for me. Nice. Jamie Sammons. How do you rate this? This is a straight-up 5 for me. No question. Yeah. I'm telling you, by the time we get to the end of the year, if this isn't my number one, I will be... Well, one, that will mean we have had one hell of a fucking year. Uh, Um, But I will be completely surprised because this came in and swept away everything else I'd seen so far this year. And I've seen some good stuff. Mm -hmm. I absolutely, absolutely love it. I cannot recommend it enough. And I know we talked about a lot during this like we talked about a lot of stuff but there's so much stuff that we didn't say so don't think that if you listen to this review that you are that you were like oh well i don't need to see the movie now yeah no that's bullshit you need to see this movie there's so much stuff we didn't touch on so um i mean that's just how chock full this movie is it is so perfectly done so perfectly Mm. executed and you just just look at it too holy shit is it pretty this is a pretty pretty movie it's pretty (laughs) 
can we change our um our our like uh you know our review segment to just like Jamie's uh Jamie's final argument? We could have yeah. a gavel. Like yeah, she keeps <laughs> dropping that mic. Oh my god, yeah, that 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 pretty much said everything. Oh, up. you noticed that? I was hoping you didn't hear me drop it. <laughs> literally. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> now, Alex, what'd you think, bro? Oh, um you know, despite the the shirts and the fire, uh I'm sorry, that does that does nothing to to hurt this movie in any way, shape, or form. This is a straight up five out of five to wow. me. I was Woo-hoo! just yeah. blown the fuck away, and like, and it, and it, it, including the the derivative, including you know this Amityville, you know it doesn't Metal matter. Metal Yell from Amityville, accidentally kill, kill your family, your family still. still. Thinking he won't, goddamn it, he will. Like just the choices, like Dan said, the happy ending choice, the struggles that went on were so much better. The humanity in this movie is so strong uh, there, enough can't be said and the music kicks ass it just it's the rock and roll horror movie you always wanted yes I mean, it is just fucking great man and I can't wait I will buy this And the- yeah I mean if you people see if these movies. have not seen these movies see these movies you know we're not see them three out of three them. skeleton crew members can't be wrong no True. that's <laughs> impossible Right. Yep. So this is like Jamie's favorite uh, episode of the Skeleton Crew ever. I wouldn't be surprised if she re-listened to this because she gets to hear about two five out of fives on one jam-packed show. Oh. 